This week on Lighting Money on Fire, the NBA kicks off its regular season and we give our first impressions. The NFL really gets into it now. We're about halfway through the season. Week seven is complete. We talk about, you know, what's going on. We review our best bets from last week and give you our best bets from this week. Of course, we're going to cover Survivor Pool, too. And guess what? Grant's going to fix something once again. And don't think we're not going to talk about Markel Fultz, because we're definitely going to talk about Markel Fultz right now on Lighting Money on Fire. You love that music. That music is so sweet. I know. If you don't love that music, you're an asshole. (laughs) That's just are, are, are you saying when you say you is like the royal you or are you talking just to me here? I it is the royal you, although I don't like the usage of the royal thing. I'm not into that. You know, that's kind of not how I want it. But I guess it's the most concise way to explain what I mean. So fine, the royal you. So you mean everybody. All all that, those, by the way, I have to say everybody with that concise way. It might be quicker than saying the royal you. Just say everybody. Yeah. That works too. It does. Yeah. Man, you just debunked me. Mythbusters style. I deboned you like a chicken. Like a chicken wing. All right. You know, you got you got owned. <laughs> owned and deboned. That's oh. what I'm gonna start saying about people. Is that is that okay to say? I think so. Okay. It's a little violent. It's a little <laughs> bunch of things. <laughs> it's a little messed up. Um yeah. So We've started betting the NBA, and that has not gone well. No, it's not. No, it's early, but no. And I'm not confident at all in our ability to do that. No, neither am I. (laughs) Um, Our our last week bets were both midweek games. It was the Clippers were hosting Denver, and the Clippers were plus one, which just felt so wrong. So we bet the wrong side of it because that's the bad belly bet thing. Who doesn't love bad belly bets? Uh, We're going to talk about that philosophy a little bit, by the way. And so that didn't work out. Uh, Denver won by more than one. It was close, though. The game, was, the Clippers were winning by seven with, like, six minutes to go, and then Denver won by, like, five or something. Yeah, and then we had uh, the Timberwolves traveling to San Antonio for the road opener, and they were in major disarray with the Jimmy Butler situation. Yep, bad belly bets. Plus three, and we're like, well, that seems bad. It feels like the Spurs are going to win by 30. Yeah. And um, they won by four, actually. Yeah. So, so that, right, right, right there, man. We could have won both of them, man. But that could be said about a lot of bets. It was close. So, so many bets are, you know. Swingy as heck. Yeah, so um, before these bets even came in, Holden Cantrell, who's a listener, mm. he tweeted at us. I guess he he spends some time thinking about basketball sports betting. And uh, his philosophy is that in basketball, individual players have too many possessions and too much power over the game for the bad belly bets to be an effective thing that works like it does in the NFL. I don't think that's true. But I do agree that bad belly bets may not be a good idea for NBA betting, which in general. Um, but I don't think that's the reason why, from my point of view. Now, I could be wrong because I'm just thinking about this right now. But individual players have a lot you know, of say, but we're not saying, but so that's true in the NFL too, right? Quarterbacks are the whole thing. Like they, they control so much. Well, let me, let me read the okay, actual, go ahead. actual tweet so you can respond to what Holden actually said. Okay, good. And we appreciate this type of tweet. So if oh, you wanna, this is awesome. Yeah. If you want to tweet at us your thoughts on, on stuff like this, do what Holden did. We are at Money Fire Pod for some reason. Obviously. Yeah. All right. So he says, I think the whole bet against your belly won't work as well with NBA. The players have too much control of the game. There are too many possessions. The better teams are so much more likely to win. NFL is such small sample theater and so much luck involved. I think the belly play is good for the NFL, but I think it's crazy to confidently take the Clippers spread against the Nuggets just because it feels horrible. It's a totally different <laughs> sport. Just my two cents. 
Great show this week, though. Sorry for the barrage of tweets. LOL. Yeah, he did. I remember he gave us, as he was listening to the show, he was tweeting, which is great. Yeah, we love um, that. And we, by the way, really appreciate your thoughts on this, even if I think I'm going to disagree with you and and some parts of your tweet anyway. But I really we want to hear what you guys think about this stuff because, you know, this is stuff that is mostly unsolved. Right. So we're like putting out our theories and playing with it and stuff, but definitely weigh in. And uh, we're not going to feel critiqued or upset about it. Right. Know? We don't, we we don't like have... It. First of all, we don't have a fragile ego about sports betting. And at the same point, we don't necessarily think we're that great at it. We're lighting money on fire over here. We're, we're doing our best with like, you know, we, we're trying. And, and Jonathan has some history and, and we're capable analytical minds. But we're not going to say like no listener knows as much as us about sports betting. Right, yeah. right, right. Like, yeah, you like Holden coming back and saying this. Like if someone's if we, if we do a whole thing, you know, on our poker podcast, which I assume all of you know about because we're the poker guys. uh and like, so like often we'll get, you know, in YouTube comments or even on Twitter or something like that, people will make comments that we feel are like clearly wrong. And right. we feel like we know they're wrong. There'll and be that, critiques of our ideas that like we are like, well, we're definitely a lot better at poker than yeah. that guy based on that comment. Right, right. And, yeah. some, and that's not always the case. Certainly no. sometimes people will disagree with us, but do it in such a way we're like, oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, I hadn't thought of that. But often it's like the, the, people are doing level one thinking. Or they're doing thinking where it's clearly based on the results only and they're yeah. not thinking about the, you know, a lot of the factors that you'd have to think about. So we don't we don't see sports betting as clearly. Exactly. Yeah. Like like we're not we're not that at that level of expertise and right. we don't pretend to be. But you know, we're honestly probably as good as all the other people on making podcasts about it pretty much. Like Bill Simmons and his cousin ain't any better than we are. They're yeah. worse. The They're guys, definitely worse. The guys who actually know, like, you know, Stats Guy and Haral Bob yeah. aren't giving away that information. That's correct. Yeah. Like Yes, exactly. So um so you just have to deal with us, Dan, because we, we get a little bit through osmosis. We get a little bit of it. Anyway. Yeah. You get to hear about it. So anyway, back to um, Holden's point about the bad belly stuff. And just to be clear for new listeners, so a bad belly bet is when uh, you bet against the thing that feels right. Like you see the line and it feels like, oh, my God, it's so obvious you have to take Kansas City here. Kansas City is only favored by four and they're hosting Cleveland. It's like they're going to blow them out, of course. Well, that's a sucker bet usually yeah. in the NFL. Anyway, I feel like I can say that fairly confidently and... Uh, and there's a reason why the line is what it is. The odds makers aren't dumb. Now, some of them are, but the sure. main, the main, the NFL lines are pretty sharp. And so, like, they're not stupid. They know you're going to see that. They understand conventional wisdom and they're playing into it and taking advantage of you. Right. So, you have to know that. And so, when you see that, you like a bad belly bed is going against what feels right. Hence, it, it feels bad in your belly. So, Holden's talking about this with the NBA and maybe not being as good. So, let me, so the reason why I think this still could work in theory anyway, is first of all, the number of possessions thing, I don't think that matters for, for my point anyway, and the better players and all that. Oh, I agree they have more impact on the game. You know, a few players can have a huge impact on the game in the NFL. Oh, sorry, the NBA, actually both, but the NBA in this case. But a bad belly bet is more about the idea that the public doesn't really understand what they're looking at. And so they think like, oh my God, the Chiefs are amazing. So of course they're going to win by a million or the Golden State Warriors are so good. And the, and the odds makers know things like Sean Livingston's a little bit hurt. And that means the backup point guard is going to be this other guy, some dude, I don't know who it would be off the top of my head, but some dude who sucks. Quinn Cook. Right. And, and the, they're playing Charlotte and Charlotte's backup point guard is the best backup point guard in the league. And that means for those 10 minutes that they're both out there, Charlotte is going to eat them alive. You know, and that's going to really impact the point spread in a way. The point, the score, much more than, than a layman would think, right? Sure. Now, it's not always going to be like that, but the idea is the odds makers know it's going to happen enough that they have got that point spread just can't be so far out there. 
um, the way conventional wisdom might say, like, Warriors plus minus 10, you know? Instead, they make it Warriors minus, I'm just making this up, seven and a half. And so all the public's like, wow, that's amazing. And all the really sharp bettors, the Haralabobs of the world, they're like, oh, they actually set a pretty good line. You know, I can't really, either I can't bet on this, I have to wait till the public, so much public money comes on the other side that it moves the line, and then I can take, you know, um, whoever it is, Denver or Charlotte, you know, plus eight or plus eight and a half right. or whatever it is. So, and I think, I think though the bad belly stuff only works in the NBA in the very beginning of the season because that's where the impressions are going to be based on last year and sure. things like that. Um, what, as soon as you get into even a week or two into the NBA, there's so many other factors. The travel is really intense in the NBA. It isn't like that in, in the NFL where they only play one game a week. So they try, sure, they fly across the country in a charter plane, but then they've got several days to get to recuperate. It's not true in the NBA. They have back-to-backs in the NBA. There are guys who have nagging injuries who the, the oddsmakers really know if they're playing or not and how much they're playing. And we may just see, we see the team name and we think that means something, but the oddsmakers are much more granular. So I think, it's, I think it's much harder to do bad belly bets in the NBA because we have so much less information okay. as you go on. But the first week of the NBA, I think that's the, it's at least reasonable. I don't know if it's a good play. But it's at least reasonable. Okay. That's my defense. Well, we did it and it didn't work. Nope. It sure didn't, but we were close. They both could have won at least. At least they were in play to win. That felt good. We had a sweat. Yeah. So I think the thing, the central thing that I gained out of your what you just said yeah. in response to Holden's tweet was something that I agree with you on, that Holden's position is essentially that the higher variance nature of the NFL is the reason bad belly bets work in the NFL. And I disagree with that. Right. Exactly. I don't think that is why. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You I don't think it. that has anything to do with bad belly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's about a lack of education and understanding of why teams are winning. Yeah. And so everyone's like, oh my God, but like 20 years ago, people are like, well, the Giants have the best running back in the league. So I assume they're going to win 12 games, you know, instead of like understanding like, well, the offensive line really matters. And guess yeah. what? Running isn't really that useful. It's good, but it's not the most important thing by a mile, you know? And of course the rules have changed and it's even less so now, but like the really sharp guys knew that 20 years ago. Sure. You know? The stat, the, the guys, the stats guys are the really sharp guys usually, you know. And anyway, anyway, I really, really appreciated those tweets from Holden. Yeah, it's it awesome great. to get the conversation going on that. Absolutely, yeah. And we and, did lose both bets, right? <laughs> and Holden, if you wanna, if you wanna come back in and, and respond to what we just said, feel Please free. Feel, feel free. We'll probably read it on next week's show, unless uh, unless you, you're too mean to us, or we just don't feel like it. Yeah, those that, are the two. That also, because two we ways just that could go. Do what we want. This is not a democracy. <laughs> Hell yeah! Now we did have one other bet as well, which is we bet Kawhi Leonard to win the MVP in the NBA. At plus 850. Yeah, so 8.5 to 1. Yep. Um, so let's just do a quick reporting on that. Uh, we'll probably talk more about this in our NBA section later. But uh, Kawhi is healthy. He looks healthy. That's step one. Yep. The Raptors also, I mean, are 3-0, and and he's doing very well with them. He's doing so. well. He's been inefficient, but his numbers are good. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we'll talk more about yeah, that. Yeah, I sure. mean, he's certainly in the conversation yeah. at this moment, which is good for us. You can't get it plus 850 anymore. The place where we got plus 850 is now plus 800. So it's dropped slightly implying that the bet was at least reasonable, if not a little bit good. Yeah. So that's good. That is excellent. Yeah. Although it's pretty early in the season, too. You know what it's time for? What? Fantasy checker. Check, check, check. Check in. Check the mic. Check, check, check. Jonathan had a stroke, but he's okay now. Woo. Um, Feeling good. Pivoting over to the NFL. The National Football League. Yeah, that's what it is. It's Um, national. The biggest news in fantasy and the NFL this week is the trade of Amari Cooper. Yeah. Amari Cooper was traded from the Raiders to the, I almost said Mavericks, but it's Cowboys. Close enough. I'm, I'm still pivoting. 
yeah. from the NBA to the NFL. Nice. Yeah. Like you know, and you really only pivot in the NBA. Though. I know. I know. So that's crazy. Yeah. How crazy is that? It's it's so crazy. <laughs> I can't even believe it. Pivoting is right? a big part of fundamentals in the NBA. Mm. Um. Anyway, so Mark Cooper, who was a first round draft pick in 2015, I'm gonna say maybe 2014. I think it's 2015 because he was the year after the like crazy receiver year with Odell and Mike Evans and them, and I think yeah. that was 2014. Okay. So, and he was the fifth overall pick, I believe. So, very highly touted receiver I mean, he prospect. Was so good the first two years. The first two years, he, he had a thousand plus yards. He's been a disaster for the Raiders and for fantasy the past two years. Oh my God, fantasy! All you out there who are listening to this have fantasy football teams, and you all know how freaking brutal it's been. Uh, he was. It was the 2015 draft, by the way. And it was the fourth overall. Pick, fourth so overall. Pretty pick. close. Um, you know how brutal it's been, where he has put up many, many, many days of like one reception for ten yards and things yeah. like that, which, which you just never see out of a number he, one receiver. He, he profiles like as a guy with the pedigree to go four overall, a big, tall, and fast guy. He profiles as like an elite receiver. You know. Well, and and he was on the way to that after yeah. year two. It really looked like he was just about to become one of the, one of the very best. You know, I took him in a lot of fantasy drafts two years ago. Or a year ago, I should yeah, say. Yeah, like I feel like he should be having Michael Thomas's career right now. Yes. And by the way, he had a quarterback who liked him, who threw yeah. the ball to him, who's like reasonably good. Derek Carnight may not be great, but he's not he's not awful. Yeah. You know, he's not freaking Derek Anderson. He's not Nathan Peterman. Right. He's legitimate. There's he's no any, that Bills, was the same quarterback. Any who, of the Bills quarterbacks? Yeah, well, you know, those <laughs> those guys all suck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that I mean, that was the guy who threw to him in year two when he was killing it. So why right. what the hell is going on? We don't know. But the Cowboys decided he was worth a first-round pick. I cannot believe this. It feels like highway robbery. It really does. Um, it accomplishes a bunch of things for uh, the Raiders. Number one, they get another. They get their third first-round pick locked up for next year. Yep. So that's a big deal for them. They're tanking their fucking wheels exactly. off. Exactly. This really helps the tank. Yeah. Um, I believe within the next month, they're going to announce Derek Carr is hurt. Yep. And he's going to miss the season, miss the, or he's going to get a little bit hurt, and they're just going to be like, "Well, we have to." He got concussed. We got to protect him. They're just going to keep him out as long as possible. Right, and they're they're also trying to trade their first rounder from 2017, who is a cornerback. Mm. So they're they're really just trying to get rid of all of their talent yeah. right now. They're just breaking it down and starting anew. So from a non fantasy perspective, from the Raiders side, my question is: Are they going to draft a quarterback with one of those first round picks? Well, the only. Well, there's there's apparently a bunch of quarter every year I guess there's a bunch of yeah, quarterbacks, of course. but apparently there's there's again a bunch of reasonable prospects. Um, I assume they'd be drafting a quarterback in the top five as opposed. To, I mean, Mahomes went what tenth? Yeah. Um, you can get guys later. Roethlisberger back in the day went like sixteenth. Aaron Rodgers. Well, yeah, Brady. I mean, we can, but but I mean, but like really, the top five. You if you're picking the top five, you got a chance to get the guy with all the tools and all all the things you really. Right, like I'm before. asking more from the perspective of what does this mean for Derek Carr's future. I think a, he's done. You think he's done as a Raider? I think Gruden hates him. I understand why Gruden hates him. Derek Carr kind of sucks. It's weird. But it is weird. Him and Amari. I mean, Amari Cooper is way worse than Derek De- Derek Carr is. Yeah. Especially even relative to like their good seasons, you know? Yeah. Like Derek Carr hasn't fallen nearly as far, but he has not been good this year at all. And he wasn't that good last year either. And it, I don't know really who to blame all this on. Like, is it because Amari sucked? Is it because Derek Carr sucked? It's sort of both of them, right? They both yeah. kind of suck. So I think Derek Carr's out. I think Gruden wants to start fresh. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to give Derek Carr a huge deal? Like, that's not a good idea. Well, they could have given Khalil Mack a huge deal instead of Derek Carr. They could have, but if they're breaking it all down and tanking, actually, yeah. 
I mean, you're going to use all of Colomax Prime to be ter- when you're terrible. Like, that doesn't really work either. So you're, tr- you're just trying to get something for him anyway. You'd, you'd probably want to trade him. So they got a reasonable return, at least, for him. I'm not saying it, it was an incredible return, but it was fine. All right. So from a fantasy perspective now, yeah, on the Raiders' side, this obviously hurts Derek Carr's value a little bit. By the way, I was talking about Derek Carr. Sorry, just to come in for a second. I was talking yeah. about Derek Carr. You're going to give him a contract. He already did sign a five-year, right. $125 million contract. Yeah, I was just right. aware of that, as I was saying. Yeah, so. I think that I was thinking about Anyway, that. please. Sorry, go on. All right, so Derek Carr takes a slight fantasy hit. doesn't matter. He's not being started most of the places no, anyway. I mean, I mean, two quarterback leagues, you still got to start him. Probably. I mean, probably. Because there's bye weeks and stuff. Yeah, you okay. Know? Yeah, okay. Um, it's a boost to probably all of the receivers on the Raiders. Jared Cook, uh, Jordy Nelson, Martavis Bryant get slight boosts. Yeah, I think I think Martavis Bryant probably gets a, it's the biggest boost, right? Because Jordy's been sort of the number one guy anyway there. Yeah. But and Bryant and Cooper have sort of been sharing number two duties. And I think Cooper's had two really good games and three awful games. Right. Kind and, of. And this is probably also like I was saying, a slight boost for Jared Cook, right? A slight boost, yeah. Not a huge one, but a little bit. But um, but it may ultimately portend a massive bad thing for all those players from a fantasy point of view because I think this means Derek Carr's not going to be throwing the ball too much longer. And if that's the case. All these guys' numbers are going to just, you know, yeah. just crater. That that it could certainly be the case. I'd be worried. Yeah, I'd be really, really concerned. For the next few weeks, though, Jordy Nelson's probably going to have a pretty good game. Yeah, he <laughs> He's probably been having is. some good games anyway. Yeah, but, but none of those guys are like blue chip fantasy players anyway. It's no. not going to tank anybody's team. Um, so the more interesting thing, obviously, is Amari Cooper's fantasy value. Yes. Is it possible that the situation has just been bad on the Raiders for the past two years, and he is that guy from his first two years and? the Cowboys unlock something in him and he becomes good. It is possible. Yeah. I think it absolutely is. We've seen him be really good. Yeah. He's got the body. He's got the athleticism. He's got, well, he used to have the hands. It seems like he drops a lot of passes now, but he used to have the hands also. Maybe he just really needs to get the hell out of LA and have a different, uh, Oakland, excuse me, have a different quarterback, have a different situation, a healthier situation. I don't know. Maybe it's just a toxic environment there. Maybe. I assume it's him, honestly. Me too. But there's a reasonable chance that it's not and that this new situation is going to be great for him. The Cowboys are desperate for a guy to be good. Right. They don't have anybody who's got just real talent. So this guy at least has talent. He's not worth a first-round pick. No, I can't believe they traded a first-round pick for him. How did that happen? Apparently the Eagles... The, the Cowboys had offered a second, and then the Eagles apparently also offered a better second. Ah. And so, well, not a better, but they also offered a second, and I guess it was, it was considered slightly better. The Cowboys, anyway, felt like they had to step up and offer more. I don't know why you wouldn't just offer a third with your second yeah. instead of a one, but they offered their one, which is a no-brainer move for the Raiders. Right. I mean, when, when I heard Amari Cooper had been traded, um, I assumed it was for like a fourth or fifth round pick before I found out what it was. Like Josh know? Gordon. Yeah. I mean, like, he's, he's got more value in a trade than Josh Gordon because there aren't the same question marks surrounding his availability. That's true. But you could also make the other side case, which is, but we've seen Amari Cooper for the last year and a half be awful. True. Whenever Josh Gordon plays, he's good. Yeah. I mean, he's only been pretty good with the Patriots. He hasn't been amazing. He seems to be He's like slowly up. breaking out, it seems but, like. But, like pre, but, what, but when the Patriots traded for him, I mean, he barely played the last five years, but when he played, he was great, yeah. right? Amari Cooper's been bad. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. Like right now, who would you rather have? Josh, Josh Gordon. Gordon. Okay. That's, I guess he just had a nice game yeah. though too. Let's say it was a month ago. Can you go back in your head? I would like, have to take Cooper, I think. I guess you'd have to, but it's close, yeah. right? So how does Gordon go for It's not even a fifth because Gordon came back with a seventh for the fifth. So it's like, like a sixth round pick. And Amari Cooper's straight up for a first round pick. I mean, the Cowboys are just 
wow, it's amazing. Yeah, like I, it's okay. So yeah, that seems like Dez? a just, that seems like a bad real world choice by them. Just resign Dez, man. They hate that guy. They they hate him so much they'd rather burn a first round pick for yeah. Amari Cooper, who by the way only has one more year under his current rookie contract, and then either have to pay him a huge amount of money or he's going to go somewhere else. Probably. Well, maybe he'll stay, but they have to pay him a lot. Yeah, they are. All right, so I my assessment would be that Cooper's yeah. fantasy value goes slightly up on average. I think it has to. How about the rest of the Cowboys? It's got to be good for Dak, right? It has to be. I think it's good for Zeke also. Me too. I think it's even good for Cole Beasley. Like oh, yeah. The, the, the passing game is dead right now, and having a guy who draws real attention who's a problem, assuming he can be that, yeah. is great for the possession receiver. And great for a Zeke. Got to be great for Zeke. Just got to be good for everyone. Bad for Michael Gallup. He's kind of taking over the Michael Gallup breakout role. It's a really good point. That's a great point. The third receiver and the guy who's hoping to become that, Michael Gallup specifically, yeah, he's, he's not going to... Nothing's good is going to happen for him. Yeah. But he wasn't really crushing it anyway. Like no, he, but he, he, could, he could have been one of those rookies who broke out at any time. Yeah, no, that's true. Know? That's true. But now they obviously don't believe he's going to be that because they just gave up a freaking first-round yeah. pick for this guy right. somehow. Well, understand. at least Cooper's only 24 years old. That's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe we're going to find out that the Cowboys know what they're doing. Yeah. Because if Cooper's good and stays good all season, then we're going to be like, okay, you know, he was worth their first round pick and they saw that on film, it seems like, and they were right. Yeah, it could be that the, the scouts around the league all would be like, yeah, Mark Cooper is really good. He's just like unlucky or, or in a bad situation. I mean, honestly, the Eagles offering a second round pick is kind of compelling too. Yeah. Like they would even do that as a little surprising to me. Right. You know? Now, the Eagles are in a slightly different situation where they're like, our window, we're in our window right now. You know? Yeah, if Amari Cooper goes to the Eagles and becomes pretty good again, the receiving core is incredible all yeah. of a sudden. You'd think they'd save that second round pick for Le'Veon Bell. I would be doing that if I were the Eagles. But but yeah, maybe they figure they can get both of them though, even. like Maybe. Like, I don't know how you integrate both those guys at once, but maybe you can do that. I... The Eagles have to trade for Le'Veon, don't they? Don't they have to? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, they do. They're, they're, they're not looking so good this year so far. The Eagles. I think, are they three and four? Yeah. Wow. They're three and four, and they were up 17 to nothing in the fourth quarter against Carolina in Philadelphia that and was a lost. Great comeback, though. It was a great comeback. All right. There was another trade in the NFL. Go on. Carlos Hyde. Yes. Shocking. Traded from the Browns. Not, that part's not shocking. What's shocking? That they trade him to the Jaguars. That, that was that was surprising. That was surprising. So the immediate reaction is, well, that's really bad for Leonard Fournette owners. Yeah. That means that the Jags really don't think Fournette is going to be healthy anytime soon. They said he, they said just yesterday, they said they think he's coming back week 10, but I don't believe it's true. They must think he's like maybe barely going to be back week 10, but probably they think he's done for the season, right? Yeah. Like in any practical way. They must be very pessimistic, right? Otherwise, yeah. you just would hold on. Now, they only had to give up a fifth round pick which is pretty great when you look at yeah. Amari Cooper went for a one. Now, those, they're in different parts of their careers. They have different levels of talent. Yeah. But still. Um, so I, don't, I think it's a good move for the Jags. Like, and it, from their point of view, it's like Carlos Hyde is like the great Fournette insurance policy. Yeah. Let's say it doesn't. Let's say Fournette comes back healthy. Okay, you have Carlos Hyde, and who cares? He sits on the bench. It was a yeah. fifth-round pick. Or he's the guy. But it must mean they're really worried about Fournette. I yeah. agree with you. So that's the guy who this is the worst news about fantasy-wise, Fournette. Um, it's, it's good news for some, Go ahead. Good news for some other players. It's, it's kind of weird news for Hyde owners. Yeah, I it, don't know if it's plus or minus. It's I can't good tell. For a, it's good in the short term because they get, he get, you know, the Browns offensive line or the Browns as a team have the worst um, 
Like, I think it's yards before you've been hit, before oh, contact. Yards before contact, yeah. Yeah, and the Jags last year had the best yards before contact. So, so that, that is good for a running back. So Hyde's numbers may pop for the next few weeks. Right, TJ Yeldon put up pretty big numbers so far in fantasy yeah. while, while uh, Fournette's been out. And obviously the Jaguars don't think he's any good if they're making this deal, so that might portend quite well for, I, for young Carlos. I agree. Um, at the same point, you know, the... the I mean, the Jags are not good this year either. The Jags have had, and they started off what two and zero, and they've just struggled ever yep, since. They now. are not very good. They're three and four. They beat the Patriots in Jacksonville, and that was their big showy win of the year. But since then, they've had some bad losses. Yeah, for Hyde to be good, the game script has to be close, or they're ahead because he's not like a, a scat back at all. Right. He's more of just a between the tackles guy. He can catch. He can catch passes. They actually were. This is where they were three and one. They beat the Giants, New England. They lost to Tennessee. They beat the Jets. Maybe this is the thing. They beat the two New York teams. And then they just, they went to Kansas City, got beaten badly. They went to Dallas, got destroyed 40-7. to And they just lost 20-7 to to Houston, a terrible Houston team. Yeah. It's the only team that Houston's won even by more than three points. Yeah, Houston's not good. Right. So Jacksonville's, I just think Jacksonville's not very good because Blake Bortles sucks. I mean, the Bortles sauce. Right. I know they won whatever it was, 12 games yeah. last year, but come on. Bortles is not good. Bortles is really bad, and they they have to give up on this. Could they trade for Eli Manning? Ew. I mean, he's not even good. He's way better than Blake Bortles. Is he? Yes. I don't know. Did you watch Monday Night Football? No, I did not. He did not look good. He missed a lot of wide-open Odell. Okay, but he's way better than Blake Bortles. I'm not convinced on that. I think they're both really bad. I mean... I, you're, am I going to be forced to look up their numbers? You can, can go ahead and look up the numbers. In the meantime, I want to talk about another player who probably, okay. this has the biggest fantasy impact on this oh, Carlos cool. Hyde trade, and that would be Nick Chubb. He, oh, yeah. He immediately just slots right into the role that Carlos Hyde had. He's kind of like a, a guy that, unless you are stacked at running back, if you have Nick Chubb on your team, you're starting him every week now. Oh, 100%. You're, yeah. thrilled. you're thrilled to have Nick Chubb. Yeah. And he had a grid first game, too. He did. Yeah, and he had that game two or three weeks ago where he only got three carries, but two of them were 60-yard touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty... So he's got some talent, it seems. I mean, if you're the Browns, this this move makes all the sense in the world. Like, you sign Carlos Hyde, and you just immediately flip him for a fifth-round pick. Yeah. Your second-round or third-round pick, Nick Chubb, is, second like, looking rounder. good. He, like, it was weird that they drafted Chubb after they had signed Hyde. I guess they just didn't think Chubb was going to be there or something like they, that. They wanted the insurance policy of... I don't know. I mean, they were 0-16 last year. Yeah. What, what insurance policy do they need? But whatever... It's fine. They, they, then they shipped Carlos Hyde out and got something for him. Good for them. Like that, that worked out pretty well, I would say. So Blake Bortles, we'll start with him. He was, he's really bad. Yeah. Nine touchdowns, eight interceptions. He's uh, doing seven, point, seven yards per attempt, 248 yards per game. It's actually not as bad as I would have guessed, but still pretty bad in this, in this NFL. You know? Yeah. And now we're going to find out about Eli. Any predictions on what you think Eli's going to look like here with his numbers? Well, he got a boost to the yards last night. He had a big yardage game last night, but I, you know, I don't really have a prediction. I think it's not going to look very good. You don't think it's going to look good? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably true. Uh, well, it's coming up shortly. Um, he is the kind of guy where, is it possible if you gave him a better team, he'd sort of get it together? I'm Has he ever been good in the regular season? Yes. So here he is, by the way. Here's his numbers. Uh, for this year, God, he's been around forever. He's got seven touchdowns and four interceptions. He's averaging 295 yards per game, 7.7 yards per attempt, 69% uh, completion percentage. Blake Bortles was at 60. I think he's qualitatively better. 
Maybe. Um, than Bortles. Maybe not a lot better, but better. And this team may only need a little bit more. And the other thing that you get with Eli that you don't get with Bortles is like last year in the AFC Championship, the Jags were up by 10 in the fourth quarter against the Patriots, and they basically never got a first down again. And Bortles could not complete a, a pass, right? Eli will complete those passes unless he's Maybe. completely lost it. But like, you're not worried about the, the moment getting to him is what I'm saying. Like he's super clutch. He's been his whole career. At least he was. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't been in a situation where he's had to be for a while. Okay. But like mentally, I'm not worried about him. Maybe also, physically he doesn't have it, but mentally he'll at least have that going. You, That's you also get a guy who consistently looks like somebody just took a shit in his cereal. It's like the constant Eli expression. I mean, I don't think that's fair. What are you talking about? Okay, a shit sh- in his cereal? A shit on his pancakes. Sorry. Why would it be a shit? A sh- if someone shit on your pancakes, you'd freak out. He doesn't look like he's freaking out. Well, you'd, you'd have a really big reaction to that, wouldn't you? Eli wouldn't. Well, what would he? What do you mean? What do you, we're going to ask what, what he would look like? Yeah. I can point to it. Anytime you see Eli, that's what it would look like. But you said he looks like a guy. Just, just following your own logic. He looks like a guy who just had someone shit on his cere- shit in his cereal. Yeah. Then you just said, I, you just said, I said, wouldn't someone have a big reaction? Your reaction, your response was, Eli wouldn't. So I guess he doesn't look like a guy who had someone shit in his cereal. He right? looks like Eli <laughs> just, who just had someone shit in his cereal. It's very strange, the logic here. Your, uh, your logic is strange. All right, let's just, uh, so the, uh, so Pat Mahomes. That guy's good. He's so good. He's yeah. the MVP. He's my MVP. So far. And I now want him to be my quarterback forever. <laughs> well, too bad you don't get him. I want to put a ring on that. Yeah. Well, and I'm a Patriots like the, fan, the but Chiefs, still. The Chiefs beat you to that, and I have a feeling he's going to be there for a while. Yeah, me too. Me too. That kid is so good. He is. The team is so good. Their Man. offensive weapon, well, their defense is terrible. Yeah, Although they had right. a good game. Their recent game, they only gave up 10 points. Who did um, they play? Do you remember? Yeah, the Bengals. Oh, Sunday yeah, that's football. right. Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah, the four and two Bengals. That's weird that they did so well, honestly. There is a historical precedent, which I don't believe in, of Andy Dalton being terrible in primetime games. Like, mm. it's been his whole career. Yeah. But maybe that's a thing. Maybe he really can't perform under the big lights, but I don't really feel like that's true. Have they also, has he also never won a playoff game, or did he win one? I don't remember. He lost his first four playoff games. I know that. But I think they may have finally won one, like, two years ago or something. Yeah. So is it possible he actually does feel like extra pressure in these Maybe. Like, with like national games and stuff? It's Maybe. possible. There's like a big, you know, like from watching Hard Knocks and All or Nothing and stuff like that, the players really get up for Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football and they're like talking about it and the yeah. coaches talk it up and all that kind of stuff. So it's possible he feels like a little pressure. I would think he's past all that, but what do I know? Yeah. That's, so yeah, Mahomes is good. I don't Mahomes know if there's much else good. to say. Um, no, the Chiefs are the Chiefs are legit, and I think they're the best team in the AFC. And you've completely come around on Mahomes from yeah. your early season take of like needing to wait and see a bit more. And I mean, I thought he was amazing, but I was not convinced he was. I, I thought we were still in small sample size, and now they've played seven games, and I feel ready to concede that. Oh my God! Yeah, basically, he's incredible to watch. Tyreek Hill is kind of incredible to watch. Yes. Also, anytime he touches the ball, he's so much faster than everybody else. I mean, in the AFC. The, the number two scoring team is the New England Patriots. By the way, they put up 38, 38, 38, and 43 the last four weeks. They've got 214 points okay. through seven games. The Chiefs through seven games have 260 points. It's different. They have almost, they have like 22% more points. That's insane. Crazy. I don't even know what to do with myself. Um, they're the, oh, by the way, they are the leading scoring team in the, in the NFL. Number two is not surprisingly the Rams. Um, the Rams are so good, though. Yeah. The Rams are the best team in the league, right? Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, they just have to be. Rams have the best uh, differential. Right, because they don't only have a good offense. They also have a good defense. Yeah, that's Aaron, right. Aaron Donald just got four sacks last week. He's good. He is quite good. Remember you wanted to bet him at like 250 to 1 to win the uh, MVP or something. I think it was 180 to 1. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. We couldn't get it. Um, all right, quick, quick. How much do you really know the NFL moment for Grant? You ready? Oh, try to embarrass me on national yep. television. So in the AFC, <laughs> which the one is that? Which have one? the best uh, point differential, a plus 78. Okay. Okay. The number two team in the AFC, and actually the number three team in the league, because number one is the Rams at plus 107. Number two is the Chiefs at plus 78. Who is the number three team? Uh, the hint is they're in the AFC. It's not the Patriots. Uh, that would have been yeah. an easy guess. It's somebody else. Who's plus 75? And is this a surprising answer? Well, what? it's not super obvious, but they're only three points worse than the Chiefs. Three points worse than the Chiefs in the AFC. This is sort of, it's, a, it's surprising to me. Is it like the Chargers? It's not the Chargers. That's a reasonable guess. Um, this team is four and three and are plus 75 with the third best point differential in the league. Four and three? Yeah. Is it the Bengals? It is not. But they are four and three. They're actually minus 19. Huh. So you want a team that outscores their, their opposition instead of what you got there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, this is not an easy question. I, didn't expect I, I don't know the answer to this. The answer is the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, there it is. Yeah, they've been good. They have been good. Their defense has been fantastic, which is a big part of it. Yeah. It's not that their offense is so good. They've only allowed 101 points, so that really makes it easier for them to make this up. They're actually the least points allowed in the, in the league, and that's, that's how they're doing it. And they have a reasonable offense, basically. Tucker hits that, hits that extra point. Yeah. It's possible they're 5-2, and two and you know, we're thinking about them a little differently. Or it's possible their point differential is worse because then the Saints win by 7 in overtime. Um, yeah, that's true, too. So think about that next time. Smart guy. I didn't think about that. Well, I should. And I won't think about it. I next shouldn't have time called either. you smart guy then. Yeah. I got a fantasy football question for you. Okay, bring it on. Is Julio Jones ever going to score a touchdown? I really believe he's going to. I strongly believe <laughs> it's going to happen. He I has, actually, actually, he, he has like 870 yards on the year. And every no game, touchdowns. Every game is 90 plus yards and like <laughs> seven plus receptions. Often like 11 and 130. You know? Yeah. Guy doesn't even sniff the end zone. It feels like. Uh, I actually, to, for speaking of fantasy, yesterday was looking at uh, the teams in all my different leagues that have Julio and thinking like, can I come up with a trade that they're going to like that's going to work? Because I think it's going to happen. I believe that this is just weird anomaly He's stuff. He's still putting up WR1 numbers even yes. without touchdowns. He's WR9 anyway. I mean, come on. So I'm, I'm ready to like, you know, trade for Julio. Because I think he's better than his fantasy numbers have been. Right. Touchdowns are the easiest thing that for a receiver's statistical regression to occur on. That said, this is some weird shit. It's because it's been, it's been more than a year. It's been like last year, Julio had three touchdowns. So that is not how many touchdowns he should have. I mean, how many red zone targets does he have this season? Is it zero it still? It might be zero, It yeah. was zero coming into this, I think, this last weekend. I mean, which is just strange because like... Ridley had something like, you know, 11. Right. Hooper has like, you know, seven. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you could throw fades to Julio, no problem. He can probably jump pretty high. Of course he can jump high. He also can make any catch in the world. He can make all of them. Yeah. This is really weird. It is very weird. So I feel like I would just bet it. I would bet on um, regression, like the zero regressing to like a normal number of like 
you know, regular touchdown production yeah. the rest of the season, even though it absolutely hasn't happened. Right. Regression doesn't mean negative. That's just a statistical terminology. That means like regression towards the mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just to be clear to the listeners. Uh, yeah. Julio, I don't know. So would you trade who trade for Julio? Would you like the yeah. majority of receivers who are currently ahead of him in fantasy? Would you trade them for Julio? Let's name some guys and uh, see who we'd move for Julio, who I'd move for Julio. Okay. Michael I'll, Thomas. Would you do that? You hate Michael Thomas. I do. I hate him so much. Why? You know, I just don't think he's that good. Explain yourself, though. I don't think he has, like... I feel like a guy like Julio is this big dude who's super athletic, has incredible hands. I feel like Michael Thomas is more a system guy. Michael Thomas has incredible hands. He's got very good hands. Yeah. But he doesn't have anything close to the athleticism that Julio has. Doesn't or seem Odell like, has. Doesn't seem like it. Or Antonio Brown has. Right. right. So to me... He's like a good guy who's in a perfect situation with like a quarter, a team that throws all the time and this incredibly accurate quarterback and all this stuff. Like the dice keep coming up like snake eyes for him. Have come up snake eyes a few times, and so he's in this perfect situation. He's obviously good. Don't get me wrong, but I but I think he is um, as a p- actual NFL player overrated. Not necessarily as a fantasy player because he's in the situation he's in. Right. So you know? yeah, the question is, would you trade him for right. Julio? I don't think you can do I'm, it. It's really hard to say yes to that. I want to say yes so badly. What about Odell? Would I trade Odell for Julio? Wow. Yes. I would do. Ooh, it's close. It's so hard to say yes, but yes. I'm, I'm saying yes because, you know, you just got to do it. All right, let's, see, trade, let's go ahead. Here's the, here's the really fun one. Adam Thielen. That was the one I was just about to bring up. Would you trade Adam Thielen, WR1, for yeah, Julio? He is the true WR1 right now. It's funny because I actually have Adam Thielen in two leagues, and I was asking myself that very question because I, I was like, Adam Thielen would probably get the job done, right? Like, and I was like, but do I want to do it? And I mean, I, he's so consistently good every single game. Yeah, he has over 100 yards receiving, and he's got a million touchdowns too. He's so here's all the guys who are ahead of Julio right now. Let's just go over that. So I got I got all the guys. We got uh, Adam Thielen's one. DeAndre Hopkins is actually WR two. Okay. Tyreek Hill's three. AJ Green's four. I would trade AJ Green for him. I love AJ Green, but I would take Julio over AJ Green. I would for trade sure. Tyree Kill for him too. I don't think I could do it. Can't do it. No, that offense is just going to score a million points, and Tyreek is so fast and good. I, I just feel like I, I got to hold on to Tyreek. Um, Odell Beckham Jr., who I would deal, and yeah. so would you. Antonio Brown, who I would not deal. Right. There's Michael Thomas, who I, I guess I can't. I hate my life, but I guess I can't. Julio Jones is not showing up on, on this list. This is weird. I have all these other guys, but he's not even showing up. He's, he was like WR9, and I checked. Um, anyway, uh, Devontae Adams. I would definitely trade Devontae Adams for Julio, happily. I don't know. Devontae has been really good. He has been really good, but I would do it. Yeah, I think you got to do it. Uh, Juju, easy. Oh, yeah. Easy yes. Uh, other guys after this are now easy yeses. Robert Woods, T.Y. T. Hilton, Cooper Cup. Oh, yeah. No all problem. these other guys. Mike Evans. These are all like 100%. So it's just, I guess Devontae Adams is where, is where it stops being interesting, right? Yeah. But yeah, so to me... Well, it's I think Devontae Adams is still interesting a little bit. Oh, no, no, I'm saying after Devontae. Okay. After yeah. Devontae. No, Devontae's the last interesting question. After that, it's an easy yes for everybody. Devontae's yeah. close, but I would definitely do. I'd be happy to trade him for Julio. Him, Odell, and AJ Green are the guys who I feel like, yes, must do it. Have to do it. It's hard to know about Thielen. Thielen is a weirdo, man. Like, he looks so good every time, and... They just throw him the ball. He gets all the targets. Right. Like, there was a little while when it looked like him and Stefan Diggs were going to trade off getting all the targets, but now it's just Thielen. Yeah. Every time. It's, it's freaking weird. 
So here's Thielen's fantasy points. This is half point PPR, so it's even better in PPR, but I'm going to read you his half point PPR. Okay. Week one, 13 points. That was his worst week. That was fine. He six for 102. Then he goes 25, 17 and a half, 23, 21, 24, 21 and a half. It's really consistent. This is how you win leagues. You yeah. have Adam Thielen. My two leagues. So I have two teams that have Adam Thielen. Those are my two best teams. I'm six and one and six and one. Oh, one of those the, teams. I know in one of them, you also have Kamara as your like eighth overall pick. And that, yeah. that helps a lot. That helped a lot for sure. And the other one, I don't really have much else in the other one. Oh, I've, I've Gurley in the other one. Oh, that's so that helped. Yeah. That obviously yeah. is good. Getting, getting Thielen in the third round was just, you know, a real great thing to do. Yep. And the thing is, we all hated him. I didn't even like doing it, but I just felt like I had to take him in those two spots. So Redrafting right now, where does yes. Thielen go? Excellent question. Let's do it. Let's do an NF. Let's do a draft right now. Okay. As best we can, right? All right. Let's go back and forth. We'll do a pick each. Okay. Um, I'm going to, I want to sort of want to see. Okay. Gurley's number one. I'm taking Gurley. That's you're take, easy. You're taking Gurley number one? I don't see how I could take anybody else. I don't see how you could either. Um, He's too good. Two is actually hard now, I think. Like, you could make a case for Saquon Barkley. He's every game. He's been good. You can make a case for Alvin Kamara. Yes, you could. Could you make a case for Antonio Brown here? Could you make a case for Adam Thielen here at three? I don't think we can make a case for Antonio Brown anymore at three because he's had a down year so far and Juju's really stepped up and I'm just, I'd be a little worried about it, about him. Yeah. So I don't, I think you can at least make a case for Thielen at three, which sounds crazy to me, but He's been so good. It's been seven weeks. I don't think every take, every week. You can't take Thielen at three. You got to take Zeke over Thielen, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure you do. Zeke is Zeke's the third pick in the draft. Who was the number two? Well, it was either Barkley or Camara, so maybe Zeke. Is. Oh, Zeke is the number two pick in the draft. You think Zeke's for me? Those guys? Okay. For me, it is. Is that? But we're doing a draft. Yeah. I'm taking Gurley one. Who are you taking? You know, you're, who I'm you're taking right. You're right. I'll take Zeke. You have to take Zeke. Yeah. Okay. Three is where it starts to get interesting. Yeah. Because all now it's what we're saying: Camara and Barkley. You got to take those guys over over Thielen because yeah. we're still a little worried about like can Thielen really do this? We know Kamara's got it in him to do this. We know Barkley clearly has all the tools in the world. Yeah, and has been excelling even though the Giants suck. He's been every week doing well. Right. Kareem Hunt just had a monster game. He ha- and that offense is amazing. Yeah. Kareem Hunt. Is there any other running backs who are reasonable? No, there's no other running back you can consider at all. Are there any other wide receivers we could consider? I don't think so. Who was WR two? I'm going to call it up right now. Hold on. Uh, WR2. Oh, is uh, DeAndre. DeAndre. There's no, no way. No, he can't take him over the you running backs. You can't take Tyreek Hill. You can't take... There's no wide receiver you could take. Okay, so it's Thielen or Kamara or Barkley. Ugh. You could take... Give me Barkley. I'll take Barkley. I don't yeah. like it, but I'll take him. Barkley at, at third at three, over? Three. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, yeah. Guess, I guess I'll take Kamara at four. Okay. Then, it's, then to me, Thielen is... I guess I just have to take... You sure you don't five. take Antonio Brown still? I think in practice you take Antonio Brown because the upside is so big. Yeah, and he's done it so many years. He's not been good yet this year. He's man. had a couple. He's WR six, right? That's not so bad. Yeah, you're right. He's WR six. He's averaging fifteen point two points a game, and Thielen's averaging eighteen points a game. So that's you know, but fifteen points is pretty good. Yeah, okay, okay. You know what? You're right. You have to take Antonio over him. All right. Fine, Antonio Brown. And then maybe you can take Thielen yeah. after that. And then it sort of becomes all yeah. the guys, right? Then Kareem Hunt is in play. Right. DeAndre's in play. Tyree Kill is probably in play. Uh, Michael Thomas is definitely in play. Yeah. Um, where does Mahomes go? 
end of the second round. That's exactly what I was thinking too. And then saying worst in, in a in a smart league. Yeah, sure. In a dumb league, you might go one overall. Well, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, where does uh, where's Kelsey go? Mid third. That's where he was going. I think he goes higher. You think he goes higher? Yeah, yeah maybe. I think he goes top of the third, end of the second now, because he's like. By the way, Ertz is there too. Right. Ertz would be WR12 right now. Wow. Random tight end question. Go. Where does George Kittle go? Jeez. Um, he's been pretty impressive this year. He is, even though he started slow, is tight end five right yeah. now. Here's the, the only guys in front of him are Ebron, Kelsey, Ertz, and Gronkowski. He clearly goes ahead of Ebron. Yes. He doesn't go ahead of the other three. No. Even though Gronk is... Beat up and beat down, you still just the upside is so yeah, you just gotta big. Go with you, the have, Gronk. you have to take Gronk. But I think Gronk is now tight end three in a yeah, draft. I agree. And and probably is from now on, unless yeah. he looks amazing coming back, which I don't expect. So I think the reign of Gronk is over. I agree. That's sad. So where where what round do you think Kittle goes then in a smart league? I'm gonna say in a smart league. Twelve teams, twelve twelve team league. Late fifth, mid sixth, something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. And then there's like a bit of a run of tight ends. After. Where does Gronk go? Fourth? Late fourth? Something like that. Yeah. You don't like it. No. You take him, you really don't like it because you're like, is he just going to suck though? Right. Or miss games? So slow. Maybe he goes in the fifth because of that. I know there's no one else really worth talking about tight end wise though. I, I am get, just really impressed with George Kittle. Yeah. Like, I, He's well, fast. I, watched, I watched the Niners get just obliterated by the Rams. I saw the game, but Kittle was the player that looked good on, on the. 49ers. He was mm. pretty impressive. Yeah. And the Rams, like, couldn't stop him. It's pretty cool. That is pretty darn cool. I agree. Who do you think is QB2 right now? Because Mahomes is clearly QB1, right? QB2 in four point per passing touchdown or six yeah, point? Yeah, four point. Is it Brady? It is not. Brady is not even in the top 10. Okay, good. I QB2 is guy. actually two guys are tied for QB2. I'm just seeing this now. Two guys are tied. Oh, Breeze? No. Breeze is barely in the top 10. Ryan? Ryan's not in the top 10. What? This is hard, man. It's not Cam, is it? Cam is not in the top 10. Wait, that seems crazy. I thought Cam was QB7. Anyway. Oh, Goff? Goff is like QB7. Man, I'm bad at this. How can this be? How am I so bad this at this? This says Andy Dalton is like QB6. That can't be right. It could be right. He's at, a, oh, Luck? Luck is tied for second. Luck is tied for second? Yep. With, it's not Trubisky, is it? No. Trubisky is like nine. I don't know. Yeah. Kirk Cousins. Oh, okay. There QB is. tied for QB two. Wow. That's, that's really surprising to me. It is. I never think of Kirk Cousins as being, I think he's like a, an above average quarterback. Barely. That's how I think of him. And he's the guy throwing to Adam Thielen. Yeah, he sure is. I and think Kirk Cousins, if you actually did, you know, it's hard to know with a lot of these young quarterbacks because some of them could be better than Kirk Cousins and we don't know it yet. Mm-hmm. Like Trubisky could be better than Kirk Cousins, but you can't, sure. you can't rank him ahead of Kirk Cousins. No, right now. you can't. But I would say if, if forced to rank the quarterbacks, you'd probably put Cousins around seven or eight. For this year? Yeah. All right. This year, quarterback draft. Go. Aaron Rodgers. Pat Mahomes. Drew Brees. Jared Goff. Tom Brady. Are we doing this fantasy or real life? We're doing fantasy, right? Yeah, fantasy. Okay, cool. Tom Brady. Um, Okay, I guess I have to take her cousins now. I don't know who else I'm supposed to take. I could take Cam or Ben Roethlisberger or something, but I guess I'll take Kirk Cousins. Yeah. So there we go. Where do you, where do you, that was like fifth? Seventh, I think. Sixth or seventh. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you took Brady fifth, so yeah. I took him sixth. There you go. 
I mean, but you, he might go seventh or eighth also. Like, yeah. You could definitely take Cam ahead of him. It would right. be crazy. Or Russell Wilson. Yeah, Wilson is like 16th. Yeah. But yeah, you could take Russell Wilson ahead of him too. That's about it though. Like you wouldn't really, Jameis, you wouldn't take Jameis Winston. You wouldn't take Andy Dalton. You wouldn't take Deshaun. You wouldn't Watson. take Wentz. You wouldn't take Trubisky. You wouldn't take Stafford. You wouldn't take that. And that's it. Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. He's good too. But I would take I take Cousins over Philip Rivers rest of season I think yeah I think you have to but it's close all, all right. right is that all the fantasy we got I think so man geez we really that really was our longest there. fantasy check in ever yeah that that was like a fantasy that wasn't we weren't checking in we were checking out that didn't make sense like the hotel the like still, leaving a hotel still doesn't make sense <laughs> no think about it like when you check into a hotel you're like bring your stuff in you unpack we're not unpacking buddy we're packing up and leaving. You see what I'm saying? Nope. <laughs> you got to think harder. Work, work that metaphor. All right. Let's talk about the National Basketball Association. All right. Okay. So here's my first take on the NBA early season stuff. Super okay. small sample size. Super small. If you've just been hammering the over on everything, you're probably oh, up a ton of money. You're so rich. Yeah. Like <laughs> the, the over is coming on like all of the games. It's crazy how high scoring the NBA has been so far. NBA teams are averaging five points more per game each. So in a, each game is 10 points more per game than last season so far. It's early, but that's crazy. Yes. What the hell is going on? I don't know. The Lakers and Spurs just played a game. We're recording this on Tuesday. It should be out by Tuesday evening. Last night where it was like 143 to 142. That, is the fi- that was the final score. That's right. I mean, what the living hell is up? I mean, it wasn't that long ago where hitting 100 points was kind of a big deal. And then... In the last few years, we finally really, like, the LeBron era really got us back into, like, more normal scoring again. Yeah. But, like, 105 points was, like, a reasonable amount of points to score. And last night, like, okay, Boston and Orlando played. They were both in the 90s. But everyone else, except for Memphis and Utah, were in the 100s. And there were a bunch of, like, 124 to 125, 115 to 109, 124 to 113, 127 to 106. I'm just reading scores here. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. 143 to 142. I mean... The offense is really way ahead of the defense right now. Yeah. It's actually kind of cool. I think it's more fun when they score more, you know? It is more fun. Yeah. Um, so that's happening for sure. Yeah. Um, here's a fun little quiz for you. Okay. And this goes right along with, uh, holy shit, there's so many points being scored. Okay. Who's leading the league in scoring right now? Is it Anthony Davis? It's not. It's He's not in Anthony. the top 10. Um, leading the league in scoring is... Who are the? Let me let me tell you this. You're not going to get it. Is it Miritich? Yes, <laughs> I got tied. it. That was incredible. <laughs> he's tied for first with Kemba Walker. They both are averaging 33 points a game. Well, that's not going to sustain. Uh, but the fact that Miritich at any point in any season could be leading the league in any category is amazing to me. It's possible that Miritich is just consistently underrated. You know, when he had that thing where Bobby Portis punched his lights out and he was out for the first six weeks of the season and the Bulls had won three games out of yeah. 23 games, then Miritich came in and they immediately won seven straight. Well, I mean, he came back and he started playing really... He was playing better than he ever played before, yeah. clearly, right? Right. And he's maintained that, though. I mean, he's doing 33 points and nine and a half rebounds. It's only I think they've only played two games up to this point, but still. This Pelicans team is very interesting. Yes, they are 2-0. and They... They have the best point differential in the league. Are you sure at that's not old? Half. Are they not three and zero? I'm pretty sure they've played more. Well, if it's old, it's. I I don't think so, man. No, they didn't play yesterday. No, no, they're two and zero. Okay, I know it, it feels like they should have be three and zero, or they should have played three games because the Celtics have played four games. 
but it's the early weird yeah, you're scheduling right. stuff. Pelicans are 2 and 0. Yeah. So obviously very small sample size. Super but small. But w- what the hell, dude? They're blowing out guys. I mean, if Miritich is really anything close to this guy with Anthony Davis and Julius Randle and Drew Holiday, that's a crazy good core. I mean, Randle's looking like the sixth man of the year. It's super early, of course, but yeah. like he's, I mean, they're all dominating basically. Right. Everyone's dominating on that team right now. I mean, they're still not good enough to challenge like for a title. Probably not. Not this year. But Anthony Davis has got to be starting to rethink the whole like exit strategy. Yeah. Thing. Like, you know, like maybe put, he should stick around. Put good pieces around him. The, like young pieces. Randall's young. Miracic is young. Drew Holiday is young. Yeah. These guys could be together for a long time and they could add. Yeah. They, he should stick around, man. I mean, believe me, I'd love to see Anthony Davis in Celtic green as much as anybody, but like he should stick around like and build something not instead of like going to a good team, like, like all these stars do now. And it's so lame. Yeah. Like you can do this, Anthony Davis. You're going to be the best player in the world very soon. Well, unless Giannis is, well, you're going to take Giannis out with a, a well-placed elbow. To the throat. Give her the old. Give him the old Tanya Harding. Give him the old. How's your father? You know. Yeah. And how do you do there? <laughs> the old, how do you do? Um, so you know that's that. I mean, like, don't leave. Don't leave. The the NBA is better if, if when the stars stay in their cities and like build rather than Kevin Durant. You're you right. Know? I agree, and I hope Giannis stays in Milwaukee too because they're three and zero and look good as well. Yes, exactly. Like there's there's. I mean, the season is so exciting right now, right? Milwaukee's three and zero. Toronto was four and zero oh, with Kawhi leading the yeah. way, right? I mean, Denver is three and zero oh and looks great. Yeah, Jokic had a major triple double, not yeah. just like a barely sneak in triple double, like a major one. He also went eleven for eleven from the field in that yeah. triple double. They were calling it a perfect triple double, but I think he went ten for eleven from the line, so that ain't perfect. No, fuck it's that. just nearly perfect, but still super impressive. So, I guess maybe the first question with all of this. So there's all this scoring, and all these teams are playing well. So Toronto is who I thought they were, it looks, it looks like. There's only four games, but... They are who we thought they were in the opposite meaning of what Dennis Green meant? Like when... N- no. Not the opposite. The same meaning. Well, the opposite of what you thought, I guess. He thought the Bears were bad. No. No, he was saying the Bears are really good. They're who, who we thought they were. That is not at the all. Bears like... were, the Bears were good that, that year. Yes, but Dennis Green didn't think so. You, do, you don't understand this? What ha- oh no, you're right. You're right. He was saying they aren't they aren't really that good. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's because right. the in the that came after a game where yeah. the Bears were losing twenty four to nothing at the half, and you're then right. they came back and won. You're right. I remember yeah. that now. Yeah, there was that. They started that young quarterback, whoever it was. Oh, it was Liner. They started Liner. Yeah, right? and he had a great first half, and I was like, yeah. oh my god! And then it, it all felt, went to shit. Okay, you're totally right. Anyway, the Raptors are who we thought we were, not ironically. Yeah, and. uh are four and zero lead the uh, Eastern Conference in point differential at twelve point three. They beat the Celtics in Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, so that was pretty impressive. I think Hayward didn't play in that game, but still, yeah, it was a good game. It was super tight the whole way, very close, but they won. Kawhi is looking good. Kawhi is doing something like twenty two points, I think nine rebounds. Yeah, it's early, so these numbers are gonna yeah, the numbers are you know bit, they're gonna yeah. be all over the place right now, but still, it's just what they hoped basically. Right. And and not only are they looking like Possibly the best team in the East. I think when all is said and done, the Celtics are still going to be the best. But probably, Um, but it's certainly a true contender to go to the finals this year. But also the team that might be good enough to really encourage Kawhi to stick around. Yep, like he may be able to say, "It's not going to be better in LA, man. It's going to be worse in LA." Well, the problem is that Lowry is definitely on the decline, and he's the second best player. That is true. That is true. But you go to you go to LA, and while you get to play with LeBron, LeBron's going to be thirty five. 
The Golden State Warriors are still there. The Houston Rockets are still there. There's all the the Pelicans are up and coming. Like it's a murderer's row out there. It's it been is. that way for a decade. It still is like that. The East is easier and better, and you you know you might have the best team in the East right now. Yeah, I'm so. I'm still waiting to see how he deals with that Toronto winter. Yeah, that actually affects players' decisions on stuff like this. Yeah, that that's not crazy. I left the East Coast because of the winter. Yeah, well, among other reasons, but that was one of the big ones. So I feel you, dog. Also, like law-related reasons. Well, you had to escape warrants and such. A lot of parking tickets. <laughs> Whole lot of parking tickets. You know, when they say you don't have to pay your parking tickets, you know, all the people who like just say, ah, you just don't pay them. Yeah. They're wrong, man. You really have to, like, they will come after you. The cops <laughs> come after you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucked up. All right. You got to leave, like, the Colts in the middle of the night. Yeah, that's Get away right. from the just parking tickets. Pack up. Yeah. Um, a few other notable things from the NBA season. Uh, LeBron James and the Lakers are 0-3. They are 0-3. LeBron looks great. Of course. Lakers are currently 0-3, though. Now, they barely lost to San Antonio, but they lost in L.A. to San Antonio in overtime when LeBron missed two free throws with eight seconds left to lose by one. He did hit a three, though, with, like, four seconds left to tie it. So LeBron historically always has rough starts with his new teams, though. Like, he just Hmm. need They just need some time. I I think that they still have a lot of upside here. Okay. Not crazy. Um, The... uh, R- little rookie check-in, Luka Doncic has gotten some games, and you are very, very let's, pro Let's Don- do a bit of Doncic. a bigger rookie check-in. Let's talk about rookies for a bit. Okay. See how they're looking. Great. So Doncic, tell me his numbers. 18 points, six rebounds, four assists, four turnovers a game. Yeah, the turnovers aren't great, but everything else is is pretty good for your first oh, yeah. couple games in the NBA. And hard to argue. It's I sort of was expecting, I guess, when because I, I would check on him just in the box scores, and I was sort of like looking to see if he was going to have eye-popping numbers, which these are not, right? No. So like in any individual game, like he had one game where he scored like 23 points and, you know, but mostly he's getting like 15 and like, you know, five assists or something. And so it doesn't like blow you away, but the consistency means he's putting up, he's, he's already really good. Like yeah. 18, six and four, you would love to have from your two guard, basically. Right. And you know? he's 19 years old and right. it's his first three games playing exactly. against this level of competition. He's going to get a lot better. It seems very likely he's yeah. going to get way, way, way better. And so that's impressive. The other guy who I immediately wanted to look to compare was, of course, DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. Um, he's doing 13 points, 11 rebounds, and four assists on 55% shooting. That's a nice assist total for a center, too. I know. I was really surprised. He's getting, like, no blocks, which is a little surprising. That was his big liability. He, yeah. His, like, his defense was exposed in Arizona's loss last year uh, in, in March Madness. Yeah. And people were like, oh, he's not really the complete center that we want him to be. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's offensively dynamic, but defensively he's a bit of a liability right now. At least he's rebounding well. But, yeah. Um, other guys of note would be uh, Jaron Jackson. Or as you like to call him, Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. 15 points a game, six rebounds for the 2-1 and Memphis Grizzlies. That's, that's great for a start as a rookie. Absolutely. He's playing like 25 minutes a game already. It's going well. Bagley is doing 13 points and seven rebounds coming off the bench for the Fine. Kings. Not bad. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. Not so good. A little disappointing. Yeah. But it's early. It's so it's early, early. You know, it's, but I think like it's Luca and Aiton are the clear two best rookies so far, which is kind of cool. Jaron Jackson's probably in the mix there, too. I mean, he's not. He's just not as good as those guys, though. Right. Like there, he's he's a tier down. Like, Maybe. Yeah. Like, Luca's also doing. Luca's scoring more points, getting the same amount of rebounds, and getting four assists a game. Aiden's getting eleven rebounds per game instead of six. You know, yeah. and getting four assists a game. I mean, these guys are like. I mean, both these are two guys who could be generational players out of their draft class. They could. I doubt Jaron Jackson's going to be that. He just might be an all star, which is you know fine and good, just not the same. There's one more guy to talk about. Yeah, Trey Young. 
Yes. He had his, uh, his Steph Curry game. He sure did. Already. I mean, that, this is an encouraging sign for the Hawks, who really, they made a trade that the majority of the NBA world thought was not the smartest trade in the world. To, <laughs> that is one to, way to put it. Because they wanted Trey Young so much more than they wanted Luka Doncic. They got other assets as well in the trade. Just but, to, but the, the difference between Doncic and Young feels like a cavern. You know, like feels like Doncic is like potentially going to define your franchise for 15 years. Trey Young is probably not, you know. Well, I mean, Atlanta thinks differently uh, and they yeah. got a first round pick. Right. You know, to go with it. Um, it's in some ways, it's really similar to the Fultz Tatum trade from the year before, right? Sure. Where the Celtics trade down from one to three. This was from three to five. And no, nobody thought it was that great of an idea for the Celtics to do that at the time. And I it turned hated out to it. be turned out to be pretty good. Yeah. I mean, not only did they get clearly the better player in the draft, um, but they also got the Kings first pick next year. Yeah. Protected only number one only. Like, oh my gosh. That's really good. They could get a top five pick and Jason Tatum instead of Markel Fultz. Like, are you kidding me? It's a good deal. Like, that was a, that ends up being amazing. Here's, by the way, you call the, the, uh, the Steph Curry game. Here's what he did. He scored 35 points in 37 minutes on 13 for 23 from the field, 6 for 14 from 3, plus 19, 11 assists, one turnover. That's really good. That is everything they dreamed about when they yeah. made this deal, right? Because they, they think he can actually be the next Steph Curry. Otherwise, right. you don't make this deal, right? Yeah. But they believe he's shooting 39% from three so far, which is pretty great. He's averaging 23 points a game. A lot of his base on this right. one game. But, you know, he's only played three, and one of them was this game. So what are you going to do? Uh, eight, eight assists a game now. I mean, these, this one game pulled him all the way up. But, I mean, if he can do anything close to these kinds of numbers, he might be the rookie of the year. Yeah. Which seems crazy to say. And maybe I Atlanta's mean, he, right. He was putting up insane numbers in college. Insane. Well, for the first half of the college season, and then everyone started to focus on him more, and he struggled a lot more in the second yeah. half of the season. I mean, sometimes there's there's a lot of factors in college that aren't there in the pros. Like, for an NFL analogy to it, there's Geno Smith, who yeah. the year before he was drafted put up just the most incredible numbers you could think of. I think he won the Heisman, I mean. Right. He had, like, I remember looking up, it was midway through the season, he had, like, 24 touchdowns and zero interceptions. Wow. Yeah. And, yeah. And, but then now he's Geno Smith. You know? Right. <laughs> he always has to be Geno Smith for the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Trey Young absolutely deserves to be in the, in the discussion, too. We're going to know. He's the guy, though, which it feels like there's still such a huge range of outcomes, even like for the next month, let alone for his career. I agree. Where he could just be awful for the next month, or he could be really good, and we could be like, oh my God, yeah, it's they really, real. They really did it. Yeah. But like Aiden, we know is real. And Doncic, we know is real to at least the degree that they, like the numbers they're putting up right now, I have no question they can continue to put up those levels. Oh, they're going to improve on those, I believe. Right. Trey Young may never do what he, like what he's done so far, 23 and 8. He may not be able to do that. Right. It may not be him. I agree. So that's the difference. And we're going we're gonna to find out. It's going to be fun to find out. There's also going to eventually be, as there always is, some guy like Kuzma who emerges as like the, the steel type guy or Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Better example. Yeah. Definitely um, better. But, but yeah, there's always somebody, right? Yeah. Um, but they may not avert, they don't always emerge in the first year either. Kawhi right. took, I think, an extra year or two before yeah. he became good. Or like Jimmy Butler. That's right. Or Oladipo, although he wasn't a steal. He was second overall. Right. But yeah. still, like the, the late developing yeah. guy who turns into a star, that's pretty common. Right. Speaking of late developing guys who might turn into stars, we have to talk about Markel Fultz. Okay. It's time. Oh, hey, by the way, just a little quick aside before we get into that. Yeah. Wednesday evening, Doncic and Young play. So that'll be fun. It'll, the mm. guys who traded, were traded for each other. Now, they don't play the same position. They're not going to be guarding each other. But be very surprising if they covered each other, except on switches. But they, they might on switches they will because they both play the guard position. I mean, if Trey Young is covering Luka Doncic, you just back him down and dunk it. Like he's like or six, just eight. turn around and pass over him or yeah. whatever you want to do. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. Trey Young's like six feet tall, right? He's small and skinny. Yeah. Like Steph Curry. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Markel Fultz. Okay. Markel. He made a three. He made one three-pointer in at the end of in garbage time in a blowout. But he did make a three-pointer. So he's he's finally back. He's <laughs> he's here. So I guess it's time to give you a few Markel Fultz stats. I guess we can't wait any longer on that, right? Okay, that's fine. So <laughs> so the, the Sixers, first of all, just to be clear, the Sixers are two and one. Mm-hmm. They're doing fine. Ben Simmons looks great. And B looks at least pretty good, you know, so they don't have to worry too much about him. Fultz has not been great so far. They've been, they, Brett Brown decided to start him. Yep. Brett Brown actually said it's going to be a lot of growing pains. Sort of acknowledged that this wasn't his best lineup. And what he did in the first game against the Celtics is he played Fultz 21 minutes in the first half. So 21 of the possible 24 minutes he played him. Second half, he played him three minutes. Yeah. And he's basically been following some, some level of that pattern since. Actually, game two against Chicago, Fultz played 32 minutes. Um, so that was a little bit better. I think that was the blowout game, though. So they mm-hmm. let him play a lot, like the whole fourth quarter. Right. He went five for 15 from the field. Against the Celtics, he went two for seven from the field. That was the game where he, he, took, he took three threes in that game. And he made one. So yeah. That's, but again, it was all, a lot of it was in garbage time. And then against Orlando uh, the other day, he played 23 minutes. He scored eight points on four and 11, four 11 shooting. Didn't attempt a three, of course. And maybe the bigger point to all of this is this stat I'm about to give you. When Fultz is on the court, the Sixers have a minus 12.9 net rating. So that's like, you know, per 100 possessions. They're out getting outscored by 13 points. Yeah. That's very bad. Yeah. That's like, uh, you know, you win 20 games a year bad if your team is like that. That's like Sacramento Kings. Yeah. So when Fultz is on the floor, they play like the Sacramento Kings. When Fultz is off the floor, meaning any other combination of five players, the 76ers have out there. Now, often that's going to include Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, admittedly. Right. But when he's on the floor, it also includes those guys. But when he's not on the floor, they are plus 28.1, which would be... The greatest team of all time. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's been three games. They're clearly not that good when he's not right. really on the floor. But that means there's a 41-point differential right now per 100 through three games. It's not a good sign. With him on and off the court. That's insane. And while it won't be that bad in real life, as you know, as we get more yeah. games under our belts here, he is a massive liability. Seems like it. There was against, uh, I think it was actually against Chicago, he caught a ball in the corner behind the three-point line, and it was in a transition spot where – it wasn't really a transition, but it was like sort of a half-transition spot. And uh, so the, the Bulls were back, but no one was within like 10 feet of him. Like he caught it, and it was as open as you can be in the NBA. Yeah. And he didn't even consider shooting it. Like he caught it and immediately drove into three Bulls who were, under the, who were you know, in the paint, just drove right into him and didn't know what to do with the ball. It wasn't like he even had a plan with the drive. He <laughs> just knows he can't shoot that shot right now, and he has no confidence at all in that shot. This kid is, this kid is a basket case. Yeah, what has happened? What has happened to Markel Fultz? I mean, was, was he ever actually injured is question number one. I don't believe so, but we you don't th- know. You think he just like came into the NBA with the yips? I do. And, the, I mean, I, and like the very serious yips. I think he changed the shot uh, between college and the NBA. For unknown reasons, because he was scared. Yeah, and maybe some, maybe someone gave him bad advice, whatever. And he was so mentally screwed up by that. No, no, he was just so mentally screwed up that one of the things happened is he changed his shot, and then he wasn't able to find his shot again, which is insane. Yeah, because any good basketball player can find their shot quickly, like in a day or two, or maybe a week. Certainly not. It doesn't take a year 
if you're any good at all. No matter what you've done to your shot, no matter right. unless you're badly injured, it shouldn't matter. I can't imagine a scenario where JJ Redick or CJ McCollum like can't just can't get back to shooting well. Right, like McCollum could even have three bad games in a row, which would seem very very rare. Yeah. Maybe he's gonna have that once in his career. He can have that, but he can't have three. He can't have thirty bad games in a row. No, it's like impossible. He can't have twenty bad games. He can't have six bad games in a row of shooting. Right, it's basically impossible unless he's hurt. Right. Yeah. Um, or they're defending him really differently. But if, but if it's just the same normal shots, he's it's it's basically impossible for him to do that. Fultz hasn't had a good shooting game in his career. Right now, he only played like 17 games last year. But that's because they didn't want to put him out there because they were because they were afraid it was going to break him mentally. Yep, that's the only reason. Drew Hanlon, who is the shot doctor they hired to help him this summer, who's the guy who worked with Jason Tatum actually a year ago and helped Jason Tatum, the guy who everyone thought didn't have a three-point shot, be like eighth in the league in three-pointers. Yeah. Hanlon said to the press, he had the yips all, all last year. That when they asked him like what happened last year, he didn't say anything at all about an injury at all. So I think it was all lying and cover-up to try and like protect him or something. None of this is working. He's a basket case. I think they have to trade him. I think they're screwed. It's interesting. They're not screwed, obviously. They have really good team. Of course, they're really good. Yeah. But they screwed up their chance to be great. Oh, right. Like if they could have had Tatum instead. Not just Tatum. Tatum and the Kings pick next year. Right. They'd have both those things. Yeah. Imagine. Well, now it's possible that Brad Stevens is just a transformative coach. And yes. that Tatum is nowhere near this good. But if I mean, Tatum, he is this good. I mean, but but I hear you. But with the but Sixers, he wouldn't be as he, good. Yeah. Like he could have. If he had the same percentage drop off that Jay Crowder had when moving teams right. without injury, you know, no, I'm not going to use Isaiah Thomas because that's not a fair example. Fair, no, that, but but Jay Crowder is a fair. Jay example. Crowder probably had what a 40 percent drop off. Yeah, now now that he's on the Jazz, he's sort of back to being Jay Crowder again. Okay. Now, you could argue Quinn Snyder's a great coach. I think most people yeah. would say he's a top five coach. Um, so maybe he needs really great coaching right. and a really good team around him that you know isn't Cleveland. But assuming that's not the case, yeah, and that Tatum is within like 10 percent of his actual skill level sure. here. That would be an incredible team, the Sixers. I mean, forget about the Kings pick next year, which is looking like a top six pick almost certainly and could be the number one overall pick, although if it is, they get that. Yeah. Um, but if it's like the number two overall pick, it is such a disaster for them. Oh, yeah. Because they, they gave up Tatum. Now, maybe they wouldn't have drafted Tatum. Yeah, maybe, maybe they would have taken Josh, Josh Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. But Josh Jackson is not Markel Fultz. He's a usable part. He's a good He's, defender. He's a good defender. He, he scored 13 points a game last year. He averaged seven rebounds or something yeah. like that. He's a, and he's very young. So, I mean, they're all very yeah. young. Uh, you'd much rather have Josh Jackson than freaking Markel Fultz right now. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, the Ringer just did a, re, a sophomore redraft with their, their three big NBA guys, Kevin O'Connor, Danny Chow, and uh, Jonathan Sharks. Sharks. Yeah. Um, and they took Fultz 10th, I think. No, maybe it was 12th. It was crazy. Um, but it wasn't crazy, though. They were taking guys like Jared Allen ahead of him. And they are all, like, serious NBA guys who yeah. are not messing around, you know. Um, and they had, and they were, like, saying, Mark Elfold still could be good. He just probably can't be great. You who know? was number one? I assume Ben Simmons was not part of that. No, draft. no, no. It was, it was just from that. No, they, they took uh, Tatum first. Now, they did it individually. So, yeah. like, Kevin O'Connor had the first pick. He took Tatum first. Then Mitchell. And then and Chow took Mitchell second. And they both they all agreed that it was close. Although, Connor does think... Tatum is clearly ahead of Mitchell, but the other guys think they're basically the same. Okay. So who knows? Kevin O'Connor's from Boston, by the way, notably. Yeah. And, and by the way, though, did love Tatum uh, before the draft because he does a whole draft thing. Mm -hmm. and Tatum was like his number two player in the draft behind Fultz. But they, all, they were talking about how they all had Fultz number one going into the draft a year ago. Yeah. And now they all think like 10, 10 11, 12 is about where he's supposed to go. And Everybody like, had Fultz number one. Uh, well, not Danny Ainge. Not Danny Ainge. 
That's right? Danny Ainge had the number one pick and clearly chose not to take him and said he would have taken Tatum and then sort of put his money where his mouth is by trading down and yeah. saying, I don't want Fultz. And where did Lonzo go? Like five or six? Uh, I think he went four, actually. Okay. Yeah. Laurie Markkinen went like seventh, which was surprising to me. I would have thought he would have gone a little higher. Yeah. Um, but they were talking about how he can score a lot, a lot of points. They, they really love his scoring, but that's what they love. They don't really think the rest of it is hmm. so impressive. But I was surprised. All right. But anyway, so Fultz is this – it's just so incredible to watch him play. And it's sort of like – it's weird that Brett Brown is continuing to do this. You know, this like, I'm just going to force start him instead of like, you know, let him earn the minutes like everyone else in the world has to do. Like, Yeah, it's going to be a scrappy battle for the top of the East this year. So you'd think you'd, those games matter, you know? Yeah. Like, the Sixers are not getting the top seed in the East. I don't think they would anyway. I guess if Fultz had blossomed fully, right. they could get it. But that's the only way, and that ain't happening. No. You know, um, and by the, even if he does blossom fully this year, it, it's going to be too late for them to win the top seed. They're happy. I mean, if he blossoms fully, then they're thrilled they did this. But what are the odds of him now turning into a great player this year? It like a great player, high. meaning like a devastating top three, you know, part of it, like a, a superstar level player, like close to Simmons and close to Embiid level, like top, top very, 25 player in the very league. Very low chance. <laughs> like almost non-existent, yeah. right? Like yeah, very less low. than 1%, I would think. I would I'd give him 2%. I'm going to give him one out of 50. I don't even know if it's that high, man. One out of 50? I think yeah. he can do it. I don't know, man. That guy is, that guy is bad. He's yeah. bad. Yeah. 98% of the time, I agree. I'm so, I'm so amazed that Danny Ainge somehow, some way, like, you know, I mean, they had, they had Fulton for a workout. And after that, that's when Danny Ainge said, like, yeah, you know, I think all the guys at the top are pretty, pretty close. And then they had Tatum for a workout. And, he's, and he started basically saying, yeah, well, you know, we like Tatum. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then he traded down. Um, and everyone thought when he said we like Tatum that, that he was sort of just saying that, you know, right. like, because obviously he was going to take Fultz, but that was all. And then apparently Fultz bombed in his 76ers audition also and missed every shot and they took him anyway, one, in the workout. Like, because they, they, like, once they were talking deal, they brought him in yeah. to Philly and, like, did a workout. And, yeah, apparently he missed everything. Wow. And they, Cole Angel just took him anyway because that was the plan. And then he created a false Twitter account to talk about why among other things yeah. yeah and put down joel Embiid, yeah and things like that and sam hankey a lot of sam hankey yes all the things and now he is nowhere that was a weird episode if you guys don't know what i'm talking about it's worth a read just yes. google brian colangelo twitter yeah i think the ringer is the one who broke that right yeah I it's a great it's a really good article actually yeah. on it where they don't actually draw any conclusions they just print all the facts and sort of let you put it together, which is very easy to do. It's compelling. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty fun read too. It's, it's one of those things where a dude is just like a dumb Machiavelli and trying to, trying to manipulate the world. Yeah. And it really just didn't work. That's fair. (laughs) Yeah. That's really, really fair. Wow. So, uh, yeah. So that's the NBA, man. Anything else you want to say about it? Yeah. I I think there's a pretty big topic to talk about. Okay. The G League situation. Oh, yeah. That's right. Uh, Jay Recker actually asked if we were going to talk about that. And we are. Okay. Because now the G League is planning to become a semi-professional league in a way that it was not before, where a player from high school can go directly to the G League and get paid up to $125,000 a year. Yeah. The the big prospects can get $125K and just be professional basketball players. Instead of having to do the one and done thing in college, which always has felt like kind of a, a bastardized half measure type thing that doesn't really work. Yeah. So I, what do you think about this development? Do you like it? I like it from the NBA's point of view for sure. Um, I think it's terrible for college basketball. Oh, yeah. 
but whatever. Carl Anthony Towns is never going to play in college again. Right? All the really, really good players are either going to play, are they going to do this or some version of this, right? Right. Well, so now that it's like really easy, like 125K is going to be like, well, if I can do even better than that, great. But like, if you're like 18, you're not going to take, and you're not rich. Yeah. Of course you're going to take the 125K. Now, the, the one way you don't is if the colleges are offering that much money too, because a lot of them, a lot of these guys are making a lot of money, right? True. Now, the thing that is so much better about this is that your job is just yes. basketball. In college, there's the whole, the whole pretense of being a student, which the majority of the top guys aren't anyway. They're just kind of skirting around it. Now, yeah. some, some of the guys actually do the work and go oh, to the classes. Of course. There's the Jalen Browns or yeah. the Emeka Okafors of the world, but most of them are not that at all. Most of them, right. like, I mean, we've all seen, oh, well, last chance you, and when I say we all, I mean you and I, Yeah. right? And that's not exactly the same, but it's a JUCO college and it's football, but... Yeah. I mean, the academic stuff that goes on there is like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. And the, none of the players, very few of the players care about the academics. The teachers mostly, like, I mean, there are some people who care and want the kids to do well, but mostly so that way they stay on the team. Right. And, like, so they can play. And then there's a few people who worry about their future. But, I mean, these kids are not academics, you know? Yeah. And they're not, they don't want to be. They want to be so, basketball players. Yeah. So I think, it's, I think it's good to have something that's more transparent. Yep. Um. I would be fine even if the colleges like had professional had some they were if Duke had a semi professional team instead of pretending that they're actually yeah, students. Yeah, just don't don't make the kids take credit classes. Right, right? like your, they're or not. your credit your credit classes are your are your practices. Right, they're employees. Know? So so actually this is so it's got to be a step in the right direction. Like just from an ethical point of view. Yeah, and asking and also like yeah the kids like having to learn stuff that they're not interested in learning or pretend to learn it and then there's all this weird cheating and. Lots of stuff that just goes on that's really awful and like creates bad character stuff for these kids too, where it's like people are covering up shit for you and yep. lying for you and all the stuff that you didn't even want to be doing anyway. No one really cares, but you but they have to do it otherwise they might get suspended from the end, you know, not be able to play. And this massive importance on playing is more important than anything else. It's just fucked up and like yep. messes them up. And like this way it's really clear you have a job, yep. you get paid for it, and you're working to like get a better job. That's completely reasonable. Yeah. And this is that 125k is more than they're going to be able to make for most of these kids than if they go to college and do four years anyway because they're not academics, right? They're right. focused on this other stuff. Some of them are, of course, yeah, and they could maybe learn to do that. But like, this is a pretty good option. There's probably going to be better options as we go, but this is a pretty good start. It all it all makes so much sense. It's like uh, we, we're already creating a situation with AAU basketball where like you can be kind of a professional basketball yes. player from age 14, right? You know, so you might as well continue that into actual professional basketball I instead of having this agree. weird gap where academia is apparently part of your life. The the notion that I mean the whole NCAA thing is so corrupt and morally bankrupt, you know. Yeah. Student athletes this all this bullshit. They pretend and like they the the northeastern players, the football team or no, I think it was the football team. We're talking about unionizing. Yeah. Right? Northwestern. And it was Northwestern. Was it Northwestern? Yeah. Okay. And uh and that was so I thought it was really exciting yeah. because they absolutely should unionize. And the NCAA like quashed it and some, like, pulled it off big time. And yeah. I thought they were going to lose actually, but they won. They like, they, but like, fuck you guys in your billion dollar industry where you give these kids nothing, you exploit the hell out of them. And yes, a few of them get to go on and make millions, but most of them don't. Most of them are just screwed for the rest right. of their and lives. It, and it's, it's the worst in football because not only are they screwed by not having any skills to make money other ways, 
but their bodies are all broken and they have no money to show for it. Yeah, they've football. been used up, right? Yeah. And like, so at least you're paying them. They're professionals. You're, you're paying them for this this job that they're doing because the job is they're bringing income into the university. Yeah, that's exactly what they're there for. That's the only reason why the university cares about them, right? It's because boosters care about them, alumni care about them. That means they donate more, and then of course there's the TV contracts and all that money that comes in that. Yeah, one too. the NCAA. That's what it's all about. Like the NCAA, to be fair, is in a bit of a tough spot because, like. The colleges need that money. As like as an example, I went to a very small liberal arts college, Lewis and Clark College, not yeah. known for sports, Division three and everything. I think had the longest streak in NCAA history of lost football games, fifty two. Yeah, and the biggest boosters are the reason that Lewis and Clark still has a football team that nobody wants to play on because mm-hmm. the million dollar plus boosters all care about the football team. Right. I have no idea why. Why would you care about this team in this Division three school with a stadium that seats 400 people? Yeah. Like, there's no reason. I mean, dude, I watched uh, the documentary Icarus recently. Of which, course. Which I know you love. I do. And so, for those who don't know, Icarus is on Netflix, and it's a documentary about uh, doping. And it starts off as about doping with cycling, but it sort of turns into a much bigger thing about doping in sports and doping in the Olympics specifically. And then there's, like, you know murder that is attempted. There's other such. things that happen, <laughs> too, as well. And it's about Russia. And, yeah. But... but um, but I was really taken sort of aback watching it, like about how many resources, not just Russia, but countries put into winning Olympic sports. Right. They care so much about it. And I'm like, why are you spending so much money? What does it matter? Like, it's a pride thing. It's a, it's a PR thing. Like, who cares? Like, who, how much money? Would, there's a lot of countries that are poor and are spending, still pouring money into their Olympic athletes. Sure. The United States is a massive deficit. Now, granted, if we cut out the entire Olympic, everything to do with the Olympics, it wouldn't, it matter. wouldn't, it wouldn't make a much of a difference. Event. But why are we spending money on that anyway when you have, like, you know, there's people who could, really, like, the money could be used in better ways. Like, who cares if we finish seventh in the 100-meter sp- in the dash or second in the 100-meter dash? Who gives a damn? Like, I understand, like, People you can care. root for your team and all that. Yeah. But, like, what, does it actually matter beyond that? Like, why not just have it be a pure sport thing and whoever wins wins and it's a fun competition and that's it? It's become this other thing. Well, that's, that's almost a different question than the NCAA thing because there's a much more direct financial correlation with, like, the importance of bringing big athletes to the schools. That's like, true. But, but when you're talking about the million-dollar boosters with Lewis and Clark, it right. comes back to what I'm talking about, true. right? That's, sort of the, that's what made me think of it. It's yeah. the same parallel. Like, most schools... Most Div 1 schools, teams aren't very good. Right. And they're not going to be good because the Alabamas of the world are the good teams. And, and by the way, well, like, you're, uh, like it pays for things, but like how much money does Nick Saban make? He makes like $10 million yeah, a year, makes a right? Lot. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, he's very good at what he does. I'm not saying – in some ways you could argue he deserves it because he brings so much money into Alabama. Yeah. But you could also argue that this whole thing is ridiculous and you should be paying your, your football coach a lot less money and – you know, and so on and so forth. But it is different. I agree. It is different. Yeah. Um, I just don't understand why everyone cares so much, like why the boosters care, why the alumni cares so much that they're willing to pony up all this money. That's what I don't get. It's the only way that you can stay in touch with your college, I guess, that really why? makes sense. Why is that? Facebook, man. I Twitter, mean, what, come on. What do you mean? Like, as far as, like, actually participating in the college culture, you can, you can root for your team. You can't go back and audit classes all the time. I guess you can, but... That's I mean, by the way, you can root for your team even if you... They aren't good. You That's can true. ruin anyway. But you want them to be good. You want them to be good. But like, you know, like you are, you're, your teams always suck that you root for, right? Like the Bears and the freaking, I don't know what, the Bulls. Those teams are awful. The Blazers are pretty good. The Blazers are actually pretty good. And actually the Bears are good. The Bears are, are they have a bright future. Yeah, they do. 
Um, but you know, the bears have been bad for a long time since yes. I've known you basically the bears have been bad, right? That is accurate. It was just like seven years. I've known Maybe you, the right? first year we knew each other was like a, the Jay color, Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, what? Yeah. Brandon Marshall whatever. year, but, but basically the bears suck. Yeah. And even then we're like, well, obviously Jay color is no good. Yeah. So it doesn't matter that they're good right now. Um, the bulls have been bad. I think pretty much since I've known you also, mm-hmm. like they never won 50 games. I think since I've known you, right? Like you haven't had teams that are, that are that good. And sometimes they've been very, very bad. Yeah. You still root for them. Yeah. It's like you're still into it. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're slightly less into it, but that's okay, isn't it? Like, that's true. I'm, I'm not trying to defend the NCAA. I think they're a horrible organization. Yeah. Um, so uh, to to wrap it back to the G League thing, I think this is a great development. Yeah, I think it's really good, and I think it'll make uh, the NBA some more revenue too. Some some G League games become a bit more watchable when like the biggest prospects are playing. Absolutely. I mean, if, I mean, Doncic probably wouldn't be playing, but like if. The, I mean, the top five guys are all playing. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Now, you know, in 2022, the NBA is is when you can just draft high school players again. Yeah. So that'll then be the end of most of this. Right. So it's not going to last very long. Do you think it's going to stay the way it is right now? Or do you think over the next four years or three years, it's going to... I think it may even develop and evolve where they're paying these guys even more. Yeah, I think it might. Um, and there's going to be different tiers. I wouldn't be surprised even two years from now if someone's making a quarter million dollars in the G League. Like, the, the number one prospect is making, like, a quarter million dollars. Yeah. Which is fine, you know, because as soon as they get to play in the NBA, they're making millions. So, you know, there's value there. I wonder if eventually they'll become, like, a baseball farm system that happens here where there's more incentive to, to acquire the resources for the, for the really good teams for the future because they can stash players in the G League more easily and it's more reasonable to do that and they don't have to pay them huge salaries right away, that type of thing. What what do you mean? Like how like if how, how are you envisioning this play playing out? Like if you're the Warriors, yeah, and uh, say it becomes more commonplace to even for the majority of players to spend a year or two in the G League because they're not most players just aren't good enough to play in the NBA when they get drafted. We see that with many rookie classes. Like look yes. at the Malcolm Brogdon rookie year. Like mm-hmm. nobody was good. <laughs> yeah. Those guys should have all been in the G League. It was messed up. Man. Yeah. So like. It just becomes more ubiquitous that, that NBA teams get to stash players in the G League, pay them a lot less, and let them develop. So you could be thinking two years down the line with your draft picks instead of thinking immediately mm-hmm. and, and about the roster spot that takes up and the salary you have to pay for a high draft pick. I mean, you can do that right now. You can, but it's not a thing that's happening yet. It yeah. might become more commonplace if, if the salaries go up in the G League and it just becomes more of the, the culture of the NBA. Well, I mean, if you draft a guy, then you have, you have him on a two-way deal. And I guess, though, if the salaries in general go up in the G League, maybe the two-way deal money is better, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, hmm. You know, this makes me think about things that work and things that don't. I, I assume this is the fix. We're heading into the Time fix. to fix something, bro. All right. Let's fix it. What are we fixing? Brett Brown, Philadelphia 76ers head coach. He's got good hair. Does he? Nah. How's his accent? It's crazy. <laughs> There's a lot of things that really we could help this guy with. Like, we could do a whole Queer Eye for the Straight Guy episode on this. It'd probably help him out, you know? Not we could, but like, <laughs> okay. get those guys in there and just, just spruce him up a little bit. But he's got this problem, right? And the problem is the number one pick in the draft last year, which you traded up for and all that, is not working out super well. And, uh, and you've been playing him. That isn't working. You got to do something to, like, help this kid, like, reach his potential. And more than that, really get confidence, like find himself and like become a killer again. Not like an actual killer, of course, but like, you know what I mean? Have that like that killer mentality like Jordan has or something like that. That would help. Like right now, Fultz looks like a deer in the headlights. Yeah. 
how in the world as Brett Brown do you do this? Like you tried some things already, right? You've like protected him all last year. That doesn't seem to help. You're starting him this year. That doesn't seem to help. Like what can you, what's the fix here? All right. Um, well, there's a couple options. I think I would start with, with trying different types of inebriation on him and mm. see how he plays under the influence of those things. A true it's drunk sports. It's possible that he just needs to be unlocked. Just like game one, go ahead and have yourself six beers before <laughs> the game starts, Markel. Let's yeah. see how that does for your confidence. Maybe that'll help. He might be a little bit less accurate, but more willing to shoot, you know? For those of you who drink out there, I drink. Uh, you know, sometimes when I'm doing things that require physical activity, such as beer pong, there's like that sweet spot you guys know about <laughs> where you've had like three or four beers and you're hitting more than you were hitting with zero. And you're hitting more than you're hitting with seven, you know, so you got to get in that sweet spot. So maybe give, find out Markel Fultz alcohol tolerance, give him just, you know, a little bit of beer every once in a while, maybe a lot of beer, depending on how confident he's feeling. Let him go. <laughs> if, that, if that doesn't work. I got other options. Well, cocaine. Okay. Extreme confidence. <laughs> you, you give him that's some right. cocaine before every, every time he subs in. Don't let him overdose. Don't go too crazy. That yeah. stuff's going to be dangerous. Now, I don't think heroin is going to work. I'm just going to say that's probably a bad one. Yeah. Meth might be good. Um, mm-hmm. Or if you want to go more conventional, you can go speed because there's probably less impurities. It's basically the same thing as meth. Why do you think heroin won't work? Oh, because that just makes people fall asleep and like lie on the ground. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be good for basketball. Too. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. So, but meth you like. Yeah. Meth is a good one. In, uh, in college, I actually, I played an intramural team with, uh, you know, a bunch of people just for fun, uh, including people that you've heard us talk about on our other podcast, the Poker Podcast, including my, my college roommate, Mitchell Towner, mm-hmm. who's an accomplished poker player. He's a six foot four athletic guy, and he was the best player on our team. And uh, one time he showed up to our intramural game drunk, like really drunk. And he's, I, I think I have the numbers right in my head. This was a 40-minute game. He had 44 points and 20 rebounds. I was counting his rebounds after the first <laughs> three because he got all the first three rebounds. So I started counting his rebounds. And that was a lot more than normal? Yeah. All those things? Yeah. yeah. He, and he hit like every three that he took. It was huh. amazing. That was a sweet spot. Yeah. So a few questions yeah. with this solution. So Markel Fultz, yeah. Yeah. So if Fultz is doing alcohol, yeah. and let's say they sort of think it's working pretty well, does that mean like... They're going to have to take timeouts, like, in the third quarter and give him a little bit more to drink, like, while he's sitting there? No, like, no, no. I mean... Stay, stay in the zone? you got to stay in that perfect zone, right? No, the zone isn't... The zone has more space than you think. Like, yeah. you can... You just give him, like, a... you got to find out what his tolerance is. And before the game, you have him have the most drinks, like, let's say seven. Yeah. And then... And that'll get him through the first quarter. And then, you know, have, like, two beers between quarters. And that oh, should, okay. That should be fine. Okay. So you're just going to have, like, a clear regimen. Yeah. Got it. And I guess it's okay if he doesn't play. He can just sit on the bench and be drunk, and that's fine too. Yeah, right? and that's more fun than being sober. So yeah, a lot more. So fun. it's a big win for Fultz. Nice. In okay, all ways. So if the beer works, great. Yeah. Now, if alcohol doesn't work, you are suggesting some more extreme solutions. Yeah, I mean, cocaine is the obvious one, right? I mean, it's like gives you super high energy and confidence. Yeah, for that, sure. He needs those things. He does. He really needs it might make especially him a, the confidence. It might make him a little jittery, which could be bad. He's already a little jittery, yeah. so it might make him a little more jittery. And you might get like a lot of reaching fouls. I think there still is, and I'm not sure. I'd have to look this up, but I maybe our research person can look this up. I think there still is a law against snorting cocaine in this in the United States of oh, America. We're at this dealing point. with laws now. We're trying to fix a young man's life. <laughs> Fuck the law. Right. Now, if we want to go in a, a completely different direction, sure. we can talk about hallucinogenics. So we okay. can go with some, some nice psilocybin mushrooms. You know, they don't taste very good. I know from experience, 
but you can put them on a peanut butter sandwich. It kind of makes it better. Okay. Markel might need the peanut butter sandwich, but if he's tripping during the game, depending on the level of the trip, see, and this is true. I've always described being on mushrooms, which I've done, I guess, four times in my life, all in college. So not all the time, but it's, it's an alternate sobriety rather than an intoxication, hmm. at least in my experience, unless you take too many. Yeah. So if we can get Markel Fultz to do mushrooms, do the right amount, have this experience of this alternate sobriety that can manifest in many different ways. For me, it manifests in a way that I really want to not wear shoes and walk around in the grass. For Markel Fultz, it might manifest as an elite three-point shooter. I mean, it's why an not? alternate sobriety. It's possible. Yeah. So that's cool. I think that's worth a try as well. I like it. I have an alternate solution, completely okay. different. Um, do you remember in Game of Thrones season, I think it's two, might be the beginning of season three. Are there going to be spoilers here? Yes. Okay, good. Not big ones, very small ones. Brienne of Tarth uh, has just dropped Jamie off and he's been like taken away and she is not being treated well. And in fact, they put her in this sort of bear pit and she just has yeah, a yeah. wooden sword to fight this bear, right? The bear and the maiden fair, right? Or it's called. Oh, the, I think that's right. The episode is called something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and she's not doing well and Jamie comes back and like helps her and they like, they're, they bond. Yeah. Right? And it's great. Um, so I feel like we really need to put Fultz in a similar situation. Like, put him in, like, a pit with a deadly animal and, like, some weapon of some sort. And one of two things is going to happen, and either is good for the 76ers. Either he dies, and they don't have to deal with this shit anymore. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. He's just You're, you're really a compassionate person, He could get you? maimed. He doesn't have to die. You're but, so, you, know. you're, you have no compassion for the young men. I'm just, I'm just trying to come up with a solution to this problem. But okay. think about the other side. Either he dies, and, you have to, and then you can just start J.J. Redick, which is great. Or he doesn't die. And in fact, he's victorious over the python or the bear or the crocodile or whatever we're, whatever deadly animal we're putting him in with, right? Um, and, he's, and he knows he just freaking killed this thing with his hands and like a switchblade or something like that. He's not going to be afraid of the media anymore. He's not going to be afraid to shoot a three-pointer. He's looked death in the face. He knows he can conquer it. So either, either way, the problem goes away. That's fucked up, man. And but, also, I think a pretty poor analogy, to be honest. Why? Because in the Game of Thrones scenario, Brienne of Tarth was already a badass before she got in that pit. She didn't yeah. have any problems that she had to overcome. She, she just got herself in a bad solution well, with the pit situation. Of course. Well, she but didn't if, have confidence if, issues. If, if we're making an analogy to a basketball player, Brienne of Tarth as a knight was like in the Kawhi conversation before getting in the pit. Of, of course. Lamar, I'm not trying to... I wasn't... She's Brianna not Tarth, Peter Dinklage she was goes be, in the pit and kills an alligator she, and becomes the, Kawhi. That wasn't the, that wasn't the metaphor. <laughs> okay. I, there was no metaphor. I was just saying... I was just trying to make sure you remember the pit and oh. saying that's a good situation that would help solve his confidence. Of course, she didn't have any confidence issues. They were just trying to have her die and, and have it be entertaining. Right? That's all that was going with her. We would give Markel more than a wooden... A wooden sword, give him something real, like I said, a switchblade or something, like an actual weapon, because he's gonna die most of the time anyway. Let's be clear. Yeah, that's why it's fucked up, man. Yeah, but but the times he doesn't, you might just have you know you're the third piece on an NBA championship. See, team. I think that my way is a much more elegant solution that doesn't make Marco Fultz die. But your way is potentially illegal. Oh, yours is not. <laughs> you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's more plausible deniability with my way. You know? How? 
How? We didn't even know he was in there, officer. <laughs> he just jumped in. He's crazy. Probably suicidal. You know, it's not. Know. It's not plausible that this kid, who's as you've described, a basket case, does a little mushrooms before an NBA game because he's freaking out and wants to try something different. I'm worried about it when the trainer is giving him <laughs> cocaine. You know, on the regular, that eventually that's going to be a real problem. That's going to get out. This is a one-time only thing. Also. I mean, they already give him cortisone shots and shit. It's the yeah, same but that, thing. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. The, One is very the, legal. The other is very illegal. In what? the NFL, at least, they give them narcotics, painkillers and shit that are highly narcotic. Okay, but are they illegal? They should be. But they're not. It doesn't matter. And is it actually illegal to lock someone in a room with like a bear, that a grizzly bear, and like, you know, a mace, and they have a mace? Yeah. I don't know if that's actually it, illegal. I think it probably You're is. You're not killing them. You're letting nature take its course. That's completely different. I so, feel like that's not only a better solution, it's, it's the one that the government could give their approval to like I, you've done nothing wrong i feel like you're just you're, the way you've treated markel is, is a bit disrespectful and i'm I a celtics fan <laughs> 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 i root for him to his, i don't root for him to die but you know I, i'm glad when he sucks because we made that deal you know if he was great i'd be like ah oh, what do we do of course tatum's so good now it's okay but i was really worried that he was going to be great and tatum was going to suck so you know so you want him to die no at the I, hands of a bear i don't i want him to get confidence uh, didn't you just his own hands. and I quote Jonathan Levy said and maybe he'll die and that'll be great you can start JJ Reddick oh yeah you said and I quote yeah that'll be great from Brett Bre from Brett Brown oh point yeah because Brett Brown and wants him to die he doesn't no, care he wants to start JJ Reddick he doesn't feel like he can right now and this is his way less out of extreme this. ways if you want what what's the less extreme way where okay, we could also worried, we could also have him maybe get the confidence how about the the mushrooms He's not going to die. He's never going to be. Then we have to keep starting full responsibility. He can go to jail. No, but we have to keep starting faults then this entire time. Instead of like, it's one way. It's like we, an hour later, the problem is solved. My solution. Your thing is going to take months. No, it's it's not. Maybe he takes the mushrooms in the first game. He's amazing. But what if he isn't? 17 assists. (laughs) Transformative life experience (laughs) at the same time. Also, can you take that many mushrooms? Alternate planes. Uh, can you just take mushrooms that often and have it really be okay? I know it's organic and all, but I think you can mostly be okay from from mushrooms. Acid is one that has a lot more residual yeah. effects as far as uh, psychedelic is concerned. Maybe ecstasy you could take ecstasy. No, you, you could roll. Uh, no, ecstasy fucks you up bad. Well, maybe that's what he needs. I have not done ecstasy to be clear, but yeah. it like makes holes in your brain and shit. It's not good. Markel Fultz versus a python. <laughs> no, I mean that's Markel amazing. Fultz takes and ate the mushrooms. You could also just like. See, the, 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 the big animal deadly animal thing is so fast. I love it. But if you really wanted to be like, not like that, you know, and not leave them, you know, with the deadly animal, you could just like abandon them on a super small island with nothing and leave them there for like nine days. And you come back, and if he's still alive, he'll have known he gotten through something. And if not, I think, I think get a peaceful learned, demise. I think we've learned a lot about you in the past <laughs> 10 minutes. I'm just going to leave it at that. I mean... These are just solutions, man. Yeah, I've, I've done a lot. I'm, of s- I, pr- I problem solve. You're worried about ethics. I problem solve. Yeah, whatever. I've done a lot of solutions over the years on our sports-related podcasts, yeah. and none of them have been f- that fucked up. You have, many of yours have involved murder. Many so? of them. Those many were deserved of them. murders, probably. No. Name one, though. I don't even uh, remember. You had, you had, I think, Jim Harbaugh being killed by a guy. No, John Harbaugh. No, it was just killed. a threat of death. No, no, it was Jim Harbaugh who gets killed. And then the idea is John Harbaugh is supposed to know because Jim Harbaugh got killed by an assassin that he's next unless he doesn't do whatever the thing he, oh, that, that thing where yeah, they but, do the penalty. But Jim Harbaugh has had more years to live. You're not taking away See? so much. So, so now you admit you, you were suggesting murder. About, by the way, I forgot about that. Multiple times. I, not just that. Yeah. Multiple times murder is your solution. Also torture. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even saying murder. I think Markel can do this. 
He kills the bear. He becomes the bear, man. Didn't you see the revenant? Like, this is how you do it. You rise from the grave or the near grave like a phoenix. Not a, not it, took Leo like a while to, it took Leo a while to recover from that bear it took incident. took him two hours. Two hours, man. And then he, he had everything he wanted again, <laughs> give or take. He, he won. Yep. Two hours. That's nothing. Yeah, it's going to be fine. That, that's clearly the move. Come on. No, I'm going with my move. I mean, either way, the 76ers win with mine. <laughs> and it solved right away. <laughs> yes, you're, you're a bad person. All right, let's move on to our best okay. bets of the week. <laughs> a little transition. <laughs> a little transition here. Yeah. All right, so hopefully this goes better than last week. Yeah, hopefully, man. You want to talk uh, NFL or NBA first? I have NFL, so what do you have? You don't have any NBA? I have one NFL bet. That's it. That's all you got? Yep. Why don't you just spit it out then? I mean, okay. I can do that. Uh, all right, so my NFL bet, I must call it up, is right here. It is... The Colts are playing at the Oakland Raiders, and they are minus three. Yeah. And while we might make all these arguments about bad belly, I ain't doing that this time. I'm going, the Raiders are tanking. They want to lose. Yeah. They really want to lose. Gruden is invested in losing. They want the number one overall pick. I like Colts minus three. I think that's reasonable. I almost picked that one as well, but then I thought, it doesn't feel like bad belly. It, it does actually, not. No, in fact, the other way is the bad belly. I actually did have the other way on there as one of mine. There you go. Just because it's a bad belly. That, that, that's reasonable for, for that. Yeah. But the tanking thing, I don't know if that... I mean, the tanking thing should be priced into it, but I don't know if it's priced into it as much as it should be. Like, I mean, how, I don't know, we, we, how far is Gruden willing to go with this? We don't know. Is yeah. he just willing to trade players? Is he going to put in guys who just suck as best he can? I don't Maybe. think he's going to do that yet. Okay, if they're trying to win, then... If they're still tr- actually trying to win the game, then it's different. But I think Gruden doesn't want to win the game. Yeah, that might be true. So that's, that's the thing. If he doesn't want to win the game, then this has got to be a great bet. If he does want to win the game, then probably the other side is a little bit better because it's a bad belly bet. Yeah. But, yeah. So I like Colts minus three. All right, we can talk about that one. Okay. What do you got? I got uh, the Seahawks are getting three points. They're plus three going to Detroit. I like the Seahawks in that scenario. Detroit's had a, a good win last week. I think people are overestimating that. Who did they beat last week? I can't remember okay. now, but okay. I mean, they looked good doing it. <laughs> Whoever it was, I'll you, find out. You're going to find out? Yeah. The Seahawks are They coming, beat Miami yeah. in Miami. That's a quality win now? I think that's pretty quality. Okay. I mean, Miami's had some good games. They've, they've done well in no. some games. They had one good game. They beat the Bears. That was the one good game they had. They were 3-0 and at one point. They were 3-0 against terrible competition. Okay. I think beating Miami in Miami is better for the Lions than people expected, maybe. Um, okay. All right. The Seahawks are coming off a bye, and before the bye, they massively blew out the 49ers, or who was it? Might have been the 49ers. I'm going to say the 49ers. Yeah. I'm not and sure. I think the Seahawks are better than people think. I know these are all conventional, non-bad belly reasons. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the Seahawks are should be getting a better price than plus three Detroit. I mean, Seattle is. Why do you think Seattle is better than people think? I think that like historically, they always like take a couple weeks to ramp it up, and I think that's starting to happen. I think like what we saw from Russell Wilson and the Seahawks last game was pretty impressive. Yeah, and I just think they're going to keep it going. Um, I mean. Usually they have a really good defense, and now their defense is in tatters. I think that's important. It's in tatters as far as the name guys, but some of their yeah. other guys have been playing pretty well this year, actually. That's fair. By the way, coming back to Miami, here's, here's what they actually have done this, okay. this year. So they, 
hosted Tennessee and won 27 to 20. They went to the New York Jets and won 20 to 12. They hosted Oakland and won 28 to 20. So that's their three and oh. Yeah. They played pretty bad teams. They got destroyed by New England 38 to 7. They lost at Cincinnati 27 to 17. They beat Chicago in that crazy comeback. Yeah. That was a good win. That's a quality win. 31 to 28. And then they lost to Detroit 32 to 21. I think they're a below average team, but probably like the 17th best team in the league. So they're 18th best team in the league. So do you 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 disagree that the Seahawks are getting too many points? Um or, no, not not enough points. No, 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 too many points. Plus three. I mean, basically the plus three is the odds makers saying or implying that they're basically of same the same value. Yeah. I would think the Seahawks are probably slightly better. So this goes to what you're saying, yeah. right? Um so I would think the Seahawks are supposed to be have get more points than that. They're supposed to be like pick them or something, or maybe not pick them, but you know, maybe minus two one. and a half, two and a half, or instead plus of three. one. Well, well, plus one and plus two and a half is basically yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So, so two, so two and a half. There was a big difference than plus three because three is a key number. Yeah. So, just for those of you who don't know what I mean, twelve uh, percent of NFL games end on a three point, on a three point margin. Right. So you like that a little bit then? I like it a little bit. I don't like it a lot. Okay. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sold on that. What else you got? All right. Um, I already told you about the Raiders indie thing. I had the opposite side. Oh, of yeah. You. I understand that. Another bet I have is along the same lines as the football bet I proposed last week that we did not do. I wanted to bet the Rams minus 10 um, in San Francisco mm-hmm. because I just feel like it doesn't feel good to bet on such a, such a big margin. But I also think the Rams are just crushing people. They are. And the Rams are eight and a half point favorites hosting Green Bay. I want to bet on the Rams to win by nine or more hmm. hosting Green Bay. I don't think Green Bay is as good as people think. Yeah. I think people get fooled by Aaron Rodgers because he's so good. Yeah. I think that's not crazy at all. Also, Aaron Rodgers still is clearly hurt. Right. And although he keeps putting up really good numbers, you know, one hit could really knock him out. Like, could be like he's probably more vulnerable to getting hit than he otherwise would be. There's and, probably certain yeah. throws he can't make. And the and the Packers don't have a good defense. The Rams are going to put out a ton of points on them. I think the margin might be pretty big in this game. I mean, the Rams have been blowing everybody out, right? Yeah. I mean, like it seems like every single week they win by a huge amount. Uh, let's let's just take a look at their uh, their run here. So they won by twenty, by thirty four, by twelve, by seven against Minnesota by two against Seattle, by three at Denver, and then by 29 at, at San Francisco. So they haven't blowing everybody out, actually. They've, but they've had a few blowouts. For yeah. Sure. They're like three blowouts. And then three close games. What do you think about that one? Um, I think if I was guessing that the public would be excited to bet on Green Bay because of right. Aaron Rodgers. So, so that's, that, one is, that one's a little more compelling to me than okay. the Seattle one. And I got one NBA one. Okay. Which I'm sure we're not going to do because we're terrible at NBA. Probably. We're going to have to do some NBA bets, bets this year. We're going to be forced to, but we don't have to do it yet. Okay. So Utah is traveling to Houston on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and they're getting two and a half points. I want to bet the Utah side. Because? Houston's been unimpressive. Utah's really good. Okay. I mean, do you think on a neutral court, who wins? If I they think, just play? I think Utah wins. You think Utah wins? Yeah. Uh is Chris Paul still going to be out? I don't know. Chris Paul is suspended for, I think, three games. So he probably... Oh, he's yeah, already yeah, missed one. Out. He's already missed one. Yeah. So he's got two more games. He'll be out. Chris Paul not playing, that makes me want to bet on the Jazz for sure in that spot then, without Chris Paul there. With yeah. Chris Paul there, I don't know if I agree with you that the Jazz are better than the Rockets, but without him, yeah, they kind of have to be, don't they? Getting two and a half? 
That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, I can I can be talked into that, even though I feel like we're just pushing buttons here a little bit. Yeah, but sure. But yeah, I like that. Okay, so we'll bet that Utah plus two and a half. Yep, at Houston. And did I convince you on the Rams? I think you did. Okay, so Rams minus eight and a half hosting Green Bay. Yep. Probably we aren't going to consent on other things. So yeah, you don't want to bet the Raiders game. I don't think I do. I'm, I, it's too murky for me. I mean, honestly, all of this is murky for yeah. me. I'm mostly saying yes because we have to come up with some stuff. And yeah. I'm trying not to be disagreeable because I don't know. Okay. You know, just to be clear. But I appreciate that. Yeah. So we got Rams. What is it? Like minus nine and a half or something? Minus eight and a half. Minus eight and a half. And we have the uh, Jazz plus two and a half. Yeah. Okay. Let's do those two. Okay. Cool. Oh, and then we still have to do Survivor. Hopefully we don't go 0-2 this week. Yeah, I know, man, because I can't take it. I can't take the losing. You can't we're take now, it. We're now down again. I know. It's well, not we're right. We're supposed to be. It's the name of the podcast. No, we're not supposed to be down. We're supposed to be down. No. I want to be down. Well, that's part of the problem. That's why it? you should do the bets that I suggest. Well, you're, you're not a good sports better, so it's like the Costanza thing, you know? You yeah. Just do the opposite of whatever you want. So if you want to be down, we should take whatever bets you suggest because... I want to be down. Right, and you're going to be wrong about that, so we're going to win. Cool. All right, so Survivor. There shouldn't be many people left in Survivor pools at this point. No, Just thought I'd but say that. a lot of people took the Rams last week and yeah. stayed alive. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you were alive last week, you're probably still alive. So let's talk about who's left and what are good plays this week. There are a few obvious... There's, a, there's like a bunch of teams you could take, actually. So here's the obvious teams. New England is going to Buffalo. They're 13.5-point favorites. That's pretty good. Yeah. A lot of people are on that game. Yeah. 20% of Yahoo users. Um, they're the biggest favorite. The Rams are hosting Green Bay, and they're 9.5-point favorites. I thought they are 8.5. Uh, according to this, they're 9, so it depends on where the line is. 8.5 okay. and 9.5 and are really almost the same thing, yeah. to be clear. As opposed to like 10 is another key number, right. and 7 are key numbers. 7.5 is a key number. Uh, Kansas City is hosting Denver. They're 10-point favorites. Okay. The New York Jets are going to Chicago, and the Bears are a touchdown favorite. And Cleveland is going to Pittsburgh. The Steelers are eight-point favorites. Those are really the only teams that are significant enough favorites that we could consider. So, hope, so for some of you, you may only have like two of these teams or one of these teams left. Right. That's a lot of teams that might have been used already. Yeah. And it's possible you have none of these teams left. If you have none of these teams left, you're in trouble. I guess you could take the Bengals, who are four-point favorites uh, hosting Tampa Bay. But that's what you're down to. Maybe you take Detroit as a three-point favorite hosting Seattle. I mean, there's just not much there. Maybe you take the Colts. They're three-point favorites. Like, there's not much there. It's yeah, not good. Not. You're going to have to fade some stuff. You know, you yeah. have to get a little lucky here to hold on. Um, but let's go over the, the teams that are bigger favorites. So the, everyone's on Pittsburgh. 30% of Yahoo users are in Pittsburgh. 20% of Yahoo users are in New England. The Rams are only 1.4%. I assume that's because they've been used up. Yeah. Um, so if you still have them, that's, it's kind of a good time to use them. Use the Rams if you still have them, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of people will not be on them, and this is like a pretty sure win for you. Uh, Kansas City, 13% of users are on them. That's not bad. Yeah. You could definitely work with that. If you don't have anyone else, Kansas City, a 10-point favorite, that's pretty good against Denver. They're going to win most of the time. Uh, you've got to like that. Houston, Miami, I hate, hate it, a million times hate it. <laughs> uh, Houston is uh, 9.4% uh, used there in Yahoo, meaning like 9.4% of users are using them. Um, I don't know, man. Like, Houston's so bad. They seem I would, pretty bad. You'd really have to be desperate. Now, I would take Houston over Cincinnati and over the other teams outside of these other t- outside of New England, the Rams, Kansas City, Chicago, and Pittsburgh. So if you don't have any of those guys, you don't want to use them for some reason, 
Houston is the next team to take. But God, don't be in that position. Yeah, so go back bad. in time. Don't do it. It's there's. I know they're four and three and they've won four in a row, but they are no good. This is why you have to game out which teams you take earlier in the season. Well, you don't have to because you're sort of forced. You have to yeah. play it based on you know the, what the public's doing too. Sure, playing. of course. So so often I used to game stuff out, but then I found once as I got more into like just making sure I don't go with the the herd. Right. Often my what I game out I can't do. I'm like, oh, cool. I'll take the Patriots there. It's a great spot. And then everyone's going to be on the Patriots, so I can't take them. Yeah. You know? So they have to do a lot of work gaming it out, and then it's too much work. Um, all right. The Jets are at Chicago. Chicago's a seven-point favorite. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Chicago doesn't have much future value. By the way, the teams that have most future value, not surprisingly, are the, the Patriots, the Rams, and the Chiefs. No one else has a lot of future value. So if you can save those other guys and play um, Chicago or Pittsburgh, that's pretty great. Um, Pittsburgh, you probably don't want to play because 30% of people are on them. So Chicago is a really nice play here if you can save New England, the Rams, or KC. If you want to be a little more certain of it, I mean, the Patriots are huge favorites. They're going to be big favorites along the way, as are KC. There's going to be other spots where you could play them. The Rams, not as much. The Rams, two weeks from now, are hosting Seattle. They're going to be nine-point favorites there, it looks like. Then they don't have another good game till week 16, which probably will not come into play. Like, no, it's survivor pool, Most survivor pools will be well over by then. So if you're not going to use the Rams now, you're going to, you should plan to use them in week 10. By the way, KC also very strong in week 10. They're hosting Arizona. They're going to be bigger favorites. Oh, yeah. Like two touchdown favorites there. Um, and that'll be KC's last really, really good game too. So if you have the KC and the Rams, you could use one of them this week. And then you probably use the Rams this week and KC in week 10. That's probably the best way to get most bang for your buck in terms of avoiding Yahoo users or the, 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 the herd. And also you get the big, KC's a much bigger favorite in week 10 also. So you go Rams now. KC on week 10. That's a good way to do it. Next week, by the way, is going to be a total shit show. There's no big favorites next week, so get ready to, get ready to pray a lot next week <laughs> okay. when the games are going on. Cool. All right. Well, hopefully some of you are still in a survivor pool. That would be exciting. Yeah. It means you're probably down to, what, 5% of the field? Yeah, if that. I yeah. mean, it should be very few people left at this point. It's got to, you, can, you can taste the money at this point. It's a wonderful feeling to be this close, although a little nerve-wracking because I, I personally have been in survivor pools for years and years now, and many times I've gotten to, like, you know, the final few percent and then not made it, and right. that can be tough, too, where it's like, oh, you know, they feel like, man. But so all you got to do is get through once. Here's some strategic thought about survivor pools. Once It's probably not into play yet. Most of the pools are probably not small enough yet. Mm-hmm. But once the pools get really small, where an, an even chop of the money is a significant amount of money compared to the buy-in, like if there's like half a percent of the field left or something, which is probably going to start happening within a couple weeks, yeah, maybe next week even, um, if you should really take a look at what teams you've used and who you have available and what your opponents have used and have available. And if you are at a disadvantage there, offer a chop. Yeah. Put the money in their hands and see what they say, you yeah. know? Don't do that if you have the good teams left and the other players don't. Yeah, if you have the Chiefs and the Rams and the Patriots somehow, yeah. which is possible, and everyone else has used them up, don't take a chop. Don't take an even chop. Right. That's, that you're just burning. You're truly lighting money on fire there. Yeah. Um, you can. Add, I would either ask for more money, which may sound crazy, but you can just put just say, you know, yeah. say I've got all these teams and you guys have used them up. Like I can last longer, so. I, I need more money, and I think that's really reasonable. But more, to the, but more likely, what you just is do is don't do a chop. Yeah, play those really like you fire your bullets of really good teams. You know, do it strategically, but make sure you pick good games to do it. But fire like you can fire the Rams this week. You can fire the Chiefs in two weeks. 
Um, and then you can offer a chop then when you've used those teams up and there'll be less people. Right. You may have already won or there'll be just less people and the money's going to be bigger for you anyway. That's, that's the better move. Don't take an even chop right now if you've right. got all the really good teams. Yeah. But if there's like six players left in your pool somehow yeah. out of like a 200-player pool and you've used the Rams and the Chiefs and the Patriots already and like three of the other players haven't, might be a good time to offer the even chop and because people like to see those numbers in front of them and say yes to them. Yeah. Like we know as poker players how advantageous chop discussion can be if you, if you game it out correctly. It is surprisingly powerful. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that's important, I think, with this stuff is don't offer a chop unless the money actually is like going to be meaningful to you. Right, yeah. If you bought in for five bucks and you could even chop for $90 right now and you don't care about $90, then like, what's the point? Hold out for 500 Yeah. Like, if $90 isn't going to matter... Like, the one time, so the one time I was involved in the survivor pool that I quote won, although I really chopped it three ways. Actually, there were 11 of us left. It was 2,000-person survivor pool. And there were 11 of us left, and I think we all agreed that everyone would get, like, $2,000. And then when there were three of us left, we did a chop for, like, the remaining... We chopped up, like, the remaining $50,000. Right. That was a little bit unclear. Okay. When, when you said there were 11 people left, and we agreed that everybody would get $2,000. Yeah. Oh, there was all this money There was left. a lot of money Sorry. left over. Like, you're just guaranteeing everybody $2,000 yes. and then playing for the rest. You're, thank you. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, we took $22,000 out of the prize pool, split that up, and there was still fifty k left, which we were going to play for. And when there were three of us left, we agreed to chop that evenly as well, which was great. Yeah. Um, and, like, sixteen k at that point was, like, a nice payday for me. Like, a sure. really, really nice... By the way, it'd still be a pretty nice payday. Yeah, sixteen k. Uh, but it wasn't, like, it wasn't like it was $400. It was, right. like... And for some people, $400 would be a nice payday, and that's fine, too. For some people, sixteen k is not a nice enough payday. Right. It all depends on your situation. But, um, but I think it's really, like... Like, go for the win. If you can go for the win, it's a lot more money, you yeah. know? And like, unless... But if the money is... If the chop is also a lot of money to you, it's fine to take a chop. Like, I, mean, I was thrilled to get that 16 I mean, yeah, but it's, it's like a lot of you listening are poker players from the poker podcast. It's like if you're four people left in a tournament and you have 10% of the chips in play right. and somebody offers an even chop, you take it. Right, almost yeah. no matter what your financial... Yeah, pretty I guess, much. Unless it's a, such a small buy-in. Yeah, right, right. Area. But yeah. yes, but of course. You so if, if you have 10% of the chips in play and that you've used all of the good teams, like... Right. The, you should probably try to get a chop going. But if you're the chip leader, you yeah. still have the Rams and you still have the Chiefs and all that stuff. Well, now you can either get... Either you don't, you just refuse the chop or you ask for a much... Uh, an uneven chop right. where you get more money. And that's that's reasonable. I, yeah. I, I remember being where there were six of us left. My first year ever doing Survivor Pool, there were six of us left. First place was like four grand. And for me at that time, this was like 2008. That was like a lot of money to win and something like this. That was like crazy. And, uh, and there were, yeah, there were like six of us left. And one of them was Joe, I'm going to say his name's Pelton. He won a WPT. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so he was left and he had the two best teams that he had. He hadn't played the Patriots and whatever the, best, the other best team was, he hadn't played them either. And all the rest of us had. And so I like wrote to everyone, hey, we could do an even chop. It would be that it was like $1,100 each or something, which I was like all excited for. And he wrote back like, absolutely not. You know, yeah. and, and he ended up winning the whole thing outright. And, you know, but one, the money didn't matter to him anyway. And two, even more important, he had, he had the two best teams and yeah. knew it. And he had so the chip like, lead. Why would, he, why would he do that? You know, and so that was the right move. Yeah. Even though it cost me, you know, 1100 bucks or whatever. That You'll was be okay. The right play. Yeah. You're going to make it. I feel like I'm okay. All right, that's the podcast. We All did right. it. It's over.